Yeah. Uh, and what are you trying to do? Just open up a PowerPoint. Open up. Why did you get something setting wrong in there? Some... Normally, I just click the PowerPoint button and it comes up and I can search for any PowerPoint. I've done that before in this one. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen that come up though. Search for downloads. All right, folks, Kent Hovind here. Uh, April 26th, I think. Uh, yes. Tuesday, 2022. I'm with Tanya. Uh, we've been paralyzed for 23 years, neck down, a wheelchair. You were in the house that uh, over at, on Highway, or at Cindy, Cindy sold it without even telling you guys, right? Yes, absolutely. And you had to move out. Yes. Then after you moved out, you and your husband uh, came up here. We've been friends for a long time. You've been here. Then she came over and tried to collect rent. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so my husband slammed the door in her face and told her she had to leave. And then she found out some old charge from years ago, that some little stupid thing. that, And so she turned him in for not registering when he came to Alabama, even though he's not a resident here, and had him arrested. Yes. Uh, what yes. would you like to say to Cindy, uh, if you could, I don't know. Uh, you're evil. You're, very, you're a very evil person. And... And God will, God don't like evil, and he will take care of you on Judgment Day. I feel terrible for what happened. I mean, we've tried to help you guys all we can. But uh, quadriplegic, thrown out of the house, and then had your husband arrested for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Anyway, so uh, what other things would you like to let the world know? that this? Because Cindy's calling me all kinds of names. She's doing all kinds of interviews about me, how bad I am. People just don't know her. She's not a good person. Well, She's not. She was for the first two years we were married. I don't know what happened. Flipped a switch or something. Oh, no. There's bipolarness that people have. People, and she might seem to have that. Um, she's very sad and depressed, so she's not happy, so she doesn't want anyone else to be happy. Right. So, I see that. She's vengeful, too. Very yeah. vengeful. Very yeah. vengeful. Yes, like she, she's running around taking pictures of my husband everywhere, everywhere. He went, he went to the marathon. She was at the marathon 10, 20 feet away taking snapping photos of him. Why? Why? I don't know. I don't know. We never asked. We never cared. We didn't think. It, we just thought she was crazy. Well, the house that you were renting was really bad shape. And you guys were thinking about buying it off of her, and you had it appraised, and they said uh, it's a termite mound, burn it down. Yeah, it's gonna. They said it's a teardown. It's a teardown. So then she sold it instead to the guy across the street, the county commissioner, who helped us find the property. And it, it was it? I thought he was a friend. I guess he was. He's upset. I haven't talked to him in six years. What's he upset about? Um, he never told me. Okay. Will she come tell me? Anyway, I feel terrible for what she did, and I wish. Uh, I wish she would just stop, but she won't. She's She told uh, this uh, Anglican priest that she was going to get me for everything I have. And and then she flipped a switch and started boo-hoo crying about how mean I am. I did not body slam her. I did not hurt no, her in I any way. That I don't believe that at all. You guys have known me for years. and Anyway, we want to help. And uh, I feel terrible. Uh, your husband arrested for absolutely no reason uh, just to be vengeful. So. Very, very meanly. Okay. Well, I feel bad. You have uh, uh, been a great blessing to us. I'm uh, glad we could help out in any way. a blessing to us. Too. Okay. Thank well, good. Well, folks, uh, sorry for the drama. Uh, I just 
the truth needs to be exposed. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tanya. Appreciate that. All right. All right. Oh, we got a little bit of echo. <laughs> a little bit of an echo. Got a. Hold on. Okay. Let me. You gotta. We gotta mute our mics whenever it's not doing or wear headphones or it gets a bad echo. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a wonderful day out there. We have Kent Hovind with us, and what we just watched was a clip of him having a discussion uh, with a woman by the name of Tanya. Would you like to tell the rest of it? Uh, sure. Yes. Uh, take a little a minute here, uh, brother. But uh, uh, where do I start? My ex-wife, Cindy, who's made 106 videos now about me trying to defame my character and destroy this ministry and get everything we've got, as she's clearly said. Uh, she bought three houses in the area uh, with money. Her, her, her dad gave her a house in California. She sold it and then bought three houses here. Okay. We helped fix up two of them quite a bit so we could use Internet. I've told about that story already. And she threw our tech guy, Steve, out after going and standing in the street videoing him and picturing, taking pictures. Now, Tanya said she was doing the same with her husband, uh, John. To make the story just a little more clear, John and Tanya, I've known them for uh, three or four or five years, I guess they've lived here. Uh, he had pretty, they both had a pretty rough past. She was uh, on a date with a guy who tried to drag her over the back, into the backseat of the car and broke her neck 23 years ago. She's been a quadriplegic uh, for 23 years. And husband John stuck with her all the time. Well, John had, was having an affair with some woman before that even out in Washington State. And they were taking drugs and living together for the weekend. And afterwards, she filed charges on him for rape, which is not true at all. But uh, he, he became on the Washington State sex offender list or something. And so then Washington State, after X number of years, they say, forget it, it's gone. Well, John and Tanya were renting the house, the other, one of the other houses that Cindy owned, right around the corner from us, about two blocks away. And we spent a lot of time over there helping them. I'm not even sure that they're, they're born again saved, but we tried to you know, witness to them uh, and a friend to them. So Cindy found out that uh, John moved to Alabama and was living in her house. She sold, or she was living, they were living in, in Cindy's house for years. Uh, she sold the house out from under them and gave them 30 days to get out. Well, this lady's paralyzed neck down for 23 years. And they offered to buy the house for even more money, but Cindy wouldn't do it. She just wanted to get back at me, I think, okay? Because anything she can to hurt Hoven and hurt the ministry here. So we helped them move to another house up the road about two miles, and they were living there. And uh, apparently, the, the anyway, the police came and arrested John because he had not come, when he came to Alabama, he didn't tell them, hey, I'm a sex offender from 25 years ago, even though it's all dropped or I'm on a list. Alabama says, if you're ever on that list, you got to notify us, apparently. Well, he didn't do that. He didn't know he had to. So they put him in jail for over the weekend. This is a couple of weeks ago. So now his wife, completely paralyzed, is what does she do? So my wife and I went up there at, at every six hours or eight hours. I lifted her out of the wheelchair, put her in the bed. My wife would do the change the diapers and all that kind of stuff that you have to do for a completely paralyzed person, and including at two in the morning. Uh, so we uh, until and then one of our guys here paid the, the money to get Chris out of jail. So he can go back and take care of his wife, as he's done for 23 years. So this is just so unnecessary. It, it certainly appears like just plain evil vengeance. So I interviewed Tanya laying there in the bed. said, Tanya, what do you think about Cindy? What would you tell her? She said, "She's this is evil. She's wrong. She'll never admit that, though. She'll have some kind of excuse of why she did it. 
but she's just doing anything she can to get to get back at me for no reason. I was nothing but kind to her. We're a wonderful marriage for two years. She worked here for a year before we got married. And I thought I knew her. She was doing our groundskeeping, doing a wonderful job, had a heart for the Lord. And after two years, something snapped. Well, you've seen it. And then she, nine months after uh, oh, I was trying to get away from her, she was trying to steal my phone. She claimed I body slammed her, and I did not. And I still got to go to court over all that. It's already cost a fortune. So I just thought you'd want to see what Tanya thought. And uh, Cindy has way crossed the line as far as defamation of character. And I've got some lawyers just saying, you just let us know when, Brother Hovind, push the button and we'll go. So I hope she just simply shuts up and goes away and gets a job and earns some money and just be a normal normal American citizen and leave me alone, okay? But I, so far, she hasn't done that. 106 videos about me. Here's a couple of things now. Because John had an old motor home that he and uh, his paralyzed wife, we helped them load that up and get out of the house. We spent the last, what, week over there cleaning out the house where they were just left. Uh, they had a bunch of animals, uh, pigs and chickens and goats. And what are you going to do with that? So we bought them all off of them for our farm. So if you want to help us get back out of debt for buying 2000 bucks worth of stuff, that would help. But anyway, so we spent 2000 bucks to buy all their animals to bring them down here so they don't have to haul them up to, uh, up to northeast uh, where they're going now. So, but in order to do that, he had a special uh, Dodge Caravan uh, custom made for a wheelchair, a wheelchair accessible van that uh, he left here. It's in our driveway right now. So we need somebody who wants to drive a van from Lenox, Alabama up to North New England uh, just to get them because now... All he's got is that old motor home to take to go to the store and you know, get stuff for his wife. And it's just Cindy has created an enormous problem for this couple, completely out of vengeance to me, I think. That's all I can see. Uh, so she sold the house out from under them, made a move, and then reported him to the police and they arrested him. Now had to, he said, finally, he said, I'm getting out of here. I got to get away from that woman. So they're moved. They left a couple of days ago, going slowly back up toward New England. Uh, it's so, so sad. He's moving away. So if you want to drive the van back up, uh, that's fine. If uh, um, you want to help us recovery coop for, we helped him every way we could, you know, with, with his vehicle to get him on the road. But we still got the, uh, uh, the Dodge Caravan needs to get taken back up to New England. So that's it, Brett. Brett, I, I wish, I, I don't understand how she can do this to somebody like that in a wheelchair. I don't understand what her thinking is. Is it so much hatred for me? And for what? I did nothing but kind to her. Um, okay. Well, any, any questions you got, Brett, or any people uh, want to hear any more? That's the basic story about Tanya there. You saw her in, in, laying in the bed. Well, I, I'm still up for um, having the discussion with the, uh, I don't know him personally, you obviously know him, Freddie, if he oh, wants yeah. to tell his part. And as I have said many times, because she spent so many days and hours uh, telling her story against you, I feel that it's appropriate that you get whatever time or witnesses that you want to bring forward, and I'm willing to keep it open on my channel for that, because I feel like it would be unfair just for one side of the story to be told. But I'll oh, be yeah. honest with you, the more I've been seeing more and more witnesses coming from your end, and every time she claims that she's going to bring someone forward, they either disappear she doesn't know how to reach them or they say to her according to her well i don't want to get involved so what's the deal i gotta ask uh, we got mr praise i am here hello praise hey Brett. thanks for having me and good to see you dr hoven hey great i didn't catch the name who's this it's praise, praise. I am. he's a good guy praise 
Praise I am. Well, okay. Never met anybody with that name. Go, go ahead. Yeah, well, actually, a while ago, I used to host shows for SFT about a year ago on my channel, and you were you were coming on there frequently. So, yeah, I okay. host. That was pretty awesome. It was a lot of fun during that time. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I had kind of a question. Like, you don't have to answer this because you know defamation and stuff like that. But uh, there's this. Uh, assumption well, going around. Yeah, there. there's a little bit of an echo there. I don't know where it came from. Uh, Kent, are you able to see a microphone button way at the bottom of the screen? Said my tech guy is going to mute me while you're talking, so that may help. Oh, okay. Well, in the future, if uh, if your tech guy is like using the restroom or getting a drink, there's a button right down below with the microphone icon. You see it? He's got it. He's got it under control. Go ahead. Oh, awesome. Go ahead, Mr. Praise. So there's this allegation going around that how you were complicit with a pedophile in some like within your uh, dinosaur park or something like that. And I think it, I mean, maybe you can maybe uh, give us some insight on this. Were you just giving this guy a chance like they had some a shady past or something or you did you even know? And you don't have to answer that too if if it uh, if you don't feel comfortable. That I understand that. This is something I'm that uh, she had brought question. up quite a few times. Uh, she yeah. brought this up on the show. Go ahead. Yeah, I have nothing to hide. Uh, all kinds of people come here from all kinds of walks of life. As I mentioned, you know, Disney doesn't do a background check, and neither does McDonald's or Walmart when you walk in. Uh, I do have uh, two friends actually that have uh, I think been very wrongfully convicted. Once you get put on that list as a, a sex offender for children, you, you, it's a stigma that lasts forever. And there's no, that I've known them. They're godly men. They're, they did not do what they're accused of. And so I'm going to have them on the program here. And uh, when, they, when they come back next time, they come through town and tell their side of the story. But yes, anybody's welcome here, including both of those guys that I know very well. And I love them. They love the Lord. And they, they're not guilty of what they're accused of. But that's the, that's the ultimate way to destroy somebody's character is to accuse them of you know, sex offense with a child, which they did not do. So, uh, yeah, they're welcome to come anytime. And uh, no, never a problem here at the camp. Uh, anybody causes a problem here, we'll take care of it in short order. So it won't be, won't be, nothing goes wrong here like that. But that's another example of a way somebody can try to slander my character or, or slander the, the ministry here uh, just with something like that. They accuse Jesus, Jesus and disciples of all kinds of things, you know, uh, and so it's just standard. It comes with it. When somebody hates God and hates God's work, they're willing to lie. Uh, we're seeing that clearly with my case now. Uh, just plain lie and claim my body slammed her when I did not. So uh, we'll get in more of that later. But no, yes, uh, friends and people are welcome to come here. We have people come here that are, uh, uh, I suppose, have taken drugs in their life. We don't, I, they're not allowed to do any of that here. You get one hint of anybody taking drugs or drinking alcohol, even even a beer, you're gone out the door. Uh, so that's our policy here at Dinosaur Adventureland. What they want to do with their their place across the street, or, you know, or across town or across the state, that's up to them. But nobody's going to work here that's got that problem. Okay. Thank you so much, Doctor Hoven. Yeah, somebody here named Mister Ray just says, "I want to see the dinosaur park so bad." Any comment? <laughs> It is amazing here, brother. We've had, uh, I gave tours today. I looked a little bit of a mess. My Dinosaur Adventureland shirt. Uh, we had a big rainstorm. 
especially after the rainstorm, my tour, outside tour is so fun, hitting the mud puddles and drowning everybody. And uh, I say, do you want to take the real tour or the grandma tour? They almost always vote for the real tour. So it's fun on the side-by-sides. So yeah, come see the place. It's amazing. We had four more baptized today. Uh, we just want to win souls like Jesus told us to do and influence people for him. Uh, there's nothing shady going on here. We just, I'm an old-fashioned Baptist preacher who with a love for the Lord and want to serve him. We can continue to uh, talk about these different things. Uh, just yesterday we had a show, though, uh, if you don't mind me bringing something up. My co-host did a show on Is Jesus God? And also he uh, dealt with an atheist who claims that rich people or people with any kind of wealth are not allowed to go to heaven. And uh, we obviously argued against that. But what's your views on that? Well, the two different topics there, is Jesus God? Certainly he claimed to be, uh, even in the uh, very beginning, Gen Genesis, the first couple chapters, let us make man in our image. Why is it plural? All through the Bible, it teaches a doctrine called the Trinity. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. There's all kinds of ways to try to illustrate that, that I think the human brain probably can't absorb, you know, God, because our brain's too little, but uh, I am one person. I'm a father, a brother, a husband, and a, uh, a grandson, a grandfather. Well, there's just one of me, but I have several different roles. That's one way to try to explain maybe part of the Godhead, as it's called. I have a body. I also have a soul and a spirit. Plants only have a body. Animals have a body and a consciousness of life. We'll call that the spirit. And man has a body, a consciousness of life, and a consciousness of God that no animal seems to have. So there's three parts to us. Is it just there's only one person, but th three distinct parts, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, your brain might be another example. You can think about things, but you can also think about what you're thinking about and pass judgment on your own thoughts and say, that was a bad thought. Well, how, how's it? You have one brain or two? Just one, but it's doing two things. At the same time, your brain is keeping all kinds of subconscious things going that you cannot control, like your digestion, your uh, healing, uh, posture, uh, stuff like that, that you can't control. Uh, so you have, you have just one brain. Uh, but there's three parts to it. You have space, which has three dimensions, length, width, and height. It's only one thing called space, but it's got three dimensions. Time has three dimensions, past, present, future. You can't have one by itself. Matter has solid liquid gas. So there are many uh, illustrations that try to kind of beat around the edges of what exactly is the Trinity. All I can tell you is this book clearly teaches Jesus was God in the flesh. He claimed to be God. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. Because they knew God told Moses. Moses said, God, who should I say? Who, who can I tell Pharaoh sent me? God said, you tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. That's his name. I am. And so when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, he was definitely claiming to be God. I mean, he walked on water. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. What else would you like him to do to demonstrate it? This is God Almighty in the flesh. I got to say, that's probably one of the best explanations I've heard in my entire 45 years of living on how that can be explained. What do you think, Praise Am? Was that just fantastic? Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed that. Well, I, so, I can show you 100 Bible verses that clearly teach the doctrine of the Trinity. The fact that man cannot understand it does not mean it's not true. Nobody, right. on, this, nobody on this planet knows what gravity is. What is gravity? Give me a jar of it, paint it red. Nobody knows what it is. I can show you what it does. I can tell you the velocity, you know, acceleration due to gravity, 9.8 meters per second or 32 feet per second per second. But what is it? Nobody knows what light is. Give me a gallon of light, please. You know, what is it? 
We know what it does. We do a lot of things with it, refract it, diffuse it, reflect it, et cetera. But what is it? So we don't have to understand things. to They can be real without our understanding. Uh, and so I think God, all through the Bible, it clearly teaches a doctrine called the Trinity. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, in the King James, says uh, these three are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're one. All the new Bible versions have taken that out. Compare your King James, 1 John 5, 7, to the other versions. You'll say, what? they left off half the verse. Yeah, because they don't believe in the Trinity. So as I covered that on video number seven of my series. Uh, it's here somewhere. There we go. My creation seminar series, 50 bucks for the whole thing. It's 18 hours long. And video sevens, actually, or DVD sevens, two DVDs, questions and answers. And one of the questions is, you know, what about the Trinity? And uh, I cover all kinds of topics on there. And why King James version of the Bible as opposed to the rest of them? I think that's where God preserved his words. But that's another story. But anyway, thank you. You ought to hook me up with some images that have some of the DVD and imagery on it so I can put it across the flash it across the screen for people and all that. You know, that'd be cool. All right. The second question was, and I, and I argued obviously against the non-believers, uh, the non-believer was trying to claim because there's an incident where a rich man says, what do I do in order to be able to follow you Christ? And then he says, give away all your things. So the atheist figures that Christians ought to go plain broke, obviously, and not even, you know, maybe live in a mud hut or something. I don't know what their logic is on that. But I see all throughout the Old Testament that there's men of God where God gave them great wealth. He gave them wisdom, gave them all that they needed in order to do a ministry. What's your thoughts on that? Well, there, there's nothing wrong with having money. What's wrong is when money has you. And that was the problem with that rich man, the story in the, in the Gospels. Money had him uh, more than he had money. And so he said, Lord, what good thing shall I do to have eternal life? Well, now slow down. Right there's the problem. He's thinking like Cain and Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. Cain brought his fruit, his vegetables, and said, God, look what I did for you. God wouldn't accept it. Abel brought a sacrifice, a lamb. God accepted that. And all through the Bible, you see that teaching that salvation is a gift from God to us. It's not something you work for or earn. I preach, I, I'm doing a series on my YouTube channel, Kent Hovind Official, called They Got What They Wanted, But They Lost What They Had. And last week or the week before, I did one on Cain and Abel. Cain, he got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. So you might want to go, I go through more details. I don't have my computer and pictures in front of me now. But uh, this rich man in the, in the gospel stories, he was trying to work his way to heaven. And when Jesus said, uh, he said, what good thing shall I do to have eternal life? First of all, he's got it all backwards right there. Jesus said, obey the commandments, which, by the way, nobody's ever done. Jesus, I think, was trying to point out, look, you're a sinner. If you could do, be perfect all your life, never sin, you wouldn't need the Lord. Nobody's ever done that, though. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. So the rich man said, rich young ruler, said to Jesus, which commandments am I supposed to keep? And it's interesting, Jesus listed six of them. He start, the last six, he left off the first four. The first four of the Ten Commandments deal with man's relation to God. The last six deal with man's relation to man. You know, don't steal, etc. That's things you do to people. So the first four are man to God. Jesus left those off. He, he listed the last six commandments. And the young man said, I've kept all these from my youth up. Well, I doubt that. But let's assume, let's assume that it's true. He never broke those six commandments. Let's assume. He said, what do I still lack? He knew he was missing something. And Jesus said, go sell, you, sell what you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. 
Now, you don't have to sell what you have and give to the poor and follow Jesus to go to heaven. But this rich man, Jesus was trying to get this rich young ruler to see, you love money more than anything, son. Now, you don't have to give, sell your money, uh, sell your stuff and give the money away to the poor. That's not necessary to go to heaven. But Jesus was getting to this guy in this particular case because that's where his heart was. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And he loved money more than God. And so Jesus was pointing that out clearly. Now, I think if you do love God, you will want to help people in need. Uh, I love God, and that's why we spent a fortune helping John and Tanya move to get away from Cindy, okay? That's <laughs> sad, but we had, okay? We spent a bunch of money to help them get away. And they're still going to spend more. Now we got to get his van clear up there to New England somehow. So, uh, yeah, we want, we want to help people. And so I think that's normal and natural for a Christian. If you really have the love of God in you, you want to help others. So the rich young ruler, he loved his money too much. So, you know, tell, tell whoever said you got to sell everything. They're, they're not understanding that, that story. We got another person who's wanting to come in. I have no idea who they are. So I'm going to put up my demon blocker. That's what we call it. There we go. There's the demon <laughs> blocker. All right. How you doing? James is tired. I'm I'm doing well. I don't know that we've chatted before. Um, typically, I do my own stuff on the James is Tired channel. I can show you my face on uh, camera, though. That way, James can... is awesome, Brett. No, he's he's legit. He's awesome. Yeah. That's where you can cool. undemon block me if you would like. There's my face. All right, there we go. I appreciate that, James. Since praise I am uh, gives you credentials, that's all that's required. I talk to so many people; it's hard to be able to keep track. Oh yeah, I apologize. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. You know, you don't know when somebody's going to spam your show or do something to try to disrupt you. So, no, I get it. Now, Kent, uh, there's there's a lot of people out there who say they want to help people and that they want to love people and they want to do ministry. But you are one of the people that actually went through with what your your words were. You actually went to action on this. Um I know what the story is and how you became a Christian, but what was it that really said, man, I got to go all out on this? I don't know that it was one single event. Uh, 53 years ago, I gave my heart to the Lord, got saved, started going to a little independent, temperamental, fundamental, right-wing, radical, chicken-eating Baptist church. And my pastor gave me uh, cassette tapes, five or six, sometimes 10 every week to listen as I drove my Volkswagen back and forth to school. And I, I got preached to 10, 15 times a week. You know, most people get preached once a week, and some, even then they miss church once in a while. I really began reading my Bible. I read it cover to cover. When I got done, I read it again and read it again. And then I got the Bible on record and uh, began to listen to it. Alexander Scorby, the King James Bible, on 16 RPM. And I accidentally had it on 33 one day. So, oh, I can still understand it. So it's double speed. Then I tried it on 45 RPM. You can read through the whole Bible with him reading, him pronouncing all the words, and your eyes are following. See, if you're, if you're hearing it and looking at it, you gain a lot more. That's the way education works. But you can go through the whole Bible in 24 hours. So I really began reading and, and soaking my brain in that book while I was in high school. I was busy there, too, you know, tennis team and a chess club and all that stuff, But uh, and vice president of the senior class. So it was... Uh, a great experience for me, just reading the word. And it just, it, it got ingrained in me as part of my character. Now, when I start to do something wrong, a Bible verse pops into my mind. Well, the reason it can do that is because I planted it there. People who never read their Bible, they don't have that advantage of, you know, of, uh, like the demon blocker you've got. You know, you ought to have a sin blocker where, where you've read enough of the Bible that you can hear God speaking. No, 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 don't do that. 
Well, like tattoos, the Bible says don't print any marks in your flesh. That was a commandment for the Jews, and I'm Norwegian, but it's still, obviously, the fact that God said don't do that indicates that's how he feels about it. So when my buddies were getting tattoos, I said, oh, I'm not going to do that. I don't think it's evil and wicked and wrong. I think it's just dumb. Uh, but And it's certainly, it, it, God is against it. God's against some things are minor, some are major. That's probably a real minor thing. But uh, so if you have that uh, sin blocker in your head uh, from just reading the Bible a lot, when you see somebody in need, wow, I want to help. So it, it's kind of became ingrained in me for the last 53 years. That's why Dinosaur Adventure Land is open for free. People come here Saturday, we let them fish for free. A lot of people in the community come here to fish. A lot of really poor people come here, catch fish, take it home. That's their, that's their food. They count on us. And we paid to stock all the lakes, you know. We pay for the electric bill and all the bills around here. So we really want to help. I think we're trying to put our money where our mouth is. And it's sad that uh, some people don't like that. Okay, move I'm on. I'm sorry for the issues that you've had, but you are doing a great thing for all these people and all these people who are suffering and had problems in their past to let folks in and give them that. I wish we had more folks like yourself up in Missouri. We have a lot of people who have issues and not a whole lot of people around to do the helping on that. I got to use the restroom real quick, but I got to ask you a favor while I leave you guys in here for a moment. Um, I've been asking, pleading with Donnie, standing for truth, to allow me to do an interview with him. He keeps saying yes, but doesn't do it. So <laughs> grab him by his ear sometime and make him do it. I'll be right back. Also, James is tired, too. Once it, I know Brett, give him an interview, I think. Well, it looks like James is drinking from a coffee cup. James, I don't know if you know this, but if you drink coffee, your babies will be born naked, illiterate, and upside down. <laughs> Are you sure I've you want never, to do that? I've never heard that. <laughs> That's the truth. I taught biology 15 years. I delivered one of my kids at home just to make sure, naked, illiterate, and upside down. So people ought to warn people younger in life, you know, don't drink that coffee stuff. Um, anyway. I had a few ahead, James, questions, James, if you wouldn't mind. James, what do you do? James, tell me about yourself and your channel. Oh, uh, on my channel, I interview atheists, Christians, Muslims, and we just have friendly conversations. Um, that's pretty much the gist of it. Um, I had a few questions for you, if you didn't mind. Oh, go for it. Anything. Um, now, this is kind of oddball left field, but my audience kind of focuses sometimes on Islam. What is your thoughts on Islam, the Quran, or Muhammad? Kind of let you land wherever you want to in there. Well, I have a book uh, that we sell in our bookstore. Let's see. Uh Uh, why I'm not a Muslim. That's about nine books. Uh, the, what I go by, what does a person, what does their leader teach? What do they believe? Okay. I, I could probably agree with Muslims on many things, but I would strongly disagree on quite a few things. Uh, I think they're part of the Cain uh, religion. They're trying to work their way to heaven. It didn't work for Cain. It's never worked for anybody all through history. Most of them are very dedicated. You can't question their sincerity and their dedication. I mean, they really go all out. But so did Cain. He brought fruit and vegetables. God, look what I did for you. So I think the Muslims are going to be very disappointed when they get before God and realize, wow, that's not how you go to heaven. Their, their leader taught them completely wrong. If you study the history of it, how it started, I mean, you can take it from, from day one on. And uh, there are many people, that's not my ministry is, you know, dealing with that topic, but I, I studied it carefully to say, what do I believe? You know, these folks are, most of them I think are genuine, sincere, 
and they've been taught completely wrong and they need to stop and completely rethink their religion. Most of them are afraid to do that. They're afraid to even consider, maybe I'm wrong. Most atheists are afraid to consider that evolution isn't true because there's only two choices. Somebody made the world or the world made itself. Nobody's thought of a third choice. And they're so afraid of the idea that somebody made it. They will cling to that dumb idea that the world made itself for no reason and evolution. And so most Muslims that I've met and talked to, quite a few of them, they're really afraid to question their own religion. Well, make, they may get their head cut off. They may get ostracized by their family. You know, they, there's all kinds of social pressures put on them <coughs> from their fellow Muslims, which is sad. <coughs> I mean, if somebody quits Christianity, they're still welcome to come here. I'll be their friend. Try to talk them back into it, but uh, I'm not going not gonna to cut their head off. Uh, so I think that uh, it's, it's sad that so many people have been, I think, completely deceived by that teaching. And the teaching is completely wrong on quite a few serious things. Biggest one is how do you go to heaven? There's only two choices to go to heaven. You got to work your way there or somebody else does it for you. I, Jesus paid for mine. I'm going to heaven. It's not because I'm good. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm forgiven. That's why. Yeah, one thing I always found fascinating is they have a completely different conception of Jesus, whereas in us as Christians have the, the fact that he's not only Savior, but he's God, whereas in they treat him just as a prophet, and they actually kind of rewrite the text and change his character. I do appreciate you giving me your thoughts on uh, Islam. Yeah, many, many people, that's their whole ministry, is trying to reach them. This is the only, I think, Damien, don't we have another book in the bookstore? Yes, we have a few books on the topic. You can call 855-BIG-DINO, extension 1, talk to the secretary on Monday, uh, or come visit Dinosaur Adventureland in Lenox, Alabama, and come see our amazing bookstore. We got, I got a whole shelf full of books on the topic, but I'm, I'm busy on creation, evolution. I don't have time to fight every other religion in the world. We do have books, quite a few. Why I'm not a Muslim is one of them. Why I'm not a Campbellite, that would be Church of Christ. Uh, why I'm not a New Age global citizen. Why I'm not a Catholic, okay? Why I'm not charismatic, speaking in tongues. Why I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist. Why I'm not a Mormon. Okay, uh, Answers to my Catholic friends. So I, I think I just want to know the truth. And whoever's got it, I'll take it. If it turns out that Islam is right, I'll take it. But I've seen way too many things seriously wrong with that religion. I, I can't follow it. They're wrong. Okay. Kent, you should do one says uh, called I Love Science, but not Scientology. I don't see the one in there. <laughs> Evolution's not science. Brett, you wanted to talk about uh, a Freddie, right? Yeah, Freddie was wanting to get involved, or he was wanting to talk. Is he around or available? Well, Freddie is our cook. He lives in the cabin right behind the church. He's got five kids. He's been here for six years. He hurt his back today down at the lake with the kids swimming, so he's laying down. Plus, he's going to be a, a key witness if, if this has to go. If Cindy doesn't drop this case, this is going to go to trial uh, over her claiming I body slammed her. And it's going, to, it's going to cost her a fortune when she loses this case. Okay, I wish she'd just drop it right now and forget it. We would forget it and go on. But Freddie's going to be one of the witnesses. He took her to the chiropractor. She'd already been going to the chiropractor, had back trouble for, for years. And she went to the chiropractor in Pensacola. After this supposed body slam, Freddie drove her down there to the chiropractor in Pensacola, about 60 miles away. And she said, Freddie, should I tell him I was body slammed? And he said, well, not if it's not true. She came out of the chiropractor and said, well, I told him I was body slammed, so it's in the record now. 
This whole thing is premeditated to try to get back at me for something. Uh, so he will testify exactly what he heard. Uh, and so, but he can't, he can't right now. Plus it's still going to court, maybe, unless she drops it. So yeah, Freddie will be one, to, he'll be one of many people who are gonna come in and testify. This trial may last 200 years, but I am not guilty and I'm not about to bend down and take a punishment that I don't deserve. If I do something wrong, I'll take it. She was wrong for every step of the way. She never admits that. Sad. Well, I, I explained to her already, and I also talked a little bit about this in a video. I think that I showed you it, the uh, the logic of the body slam thing. For those out there that don't know what a body slam is, it's when a wrestler picks another wrestler up above their head and slams them down on their back. Now, how long ago did she allegedly say this? Because I'm thinking you'd be about 68 or 69 at this time, right? Years old? Right. I was 68 right, so years old. 68 years old, and you have got a phone in your hand all at the same time. Not even the Ultimate Warrior can pick a person up while having a recorder in their hand and doing that. So I don't, I've uh, brought it up with her, and she describes it as being more of a, like she lunged at you for the phone, and you moved and put your hand out to block yourself, and then she tumbled down. I said, ma'am, that is not a body slam. I assure you if there was a body slam involved, uh, there, you wouldn't have woke up but three days later if that actually could happen with a 68-year-old man. So that's my logic on it. It doesn't make sense, the story that she tells on that. The entire story is made up, okay? She was the aggressor the entire time. She's trying to steal my phone. She said clearly, she I had it all recorded. I was told to record it by my lawyer. She said, I'm going to get that, and she used God's name in vain. I'm going to get that blankety-blank phone, break it in half, and flush it down the toilet. I said... Cindy, I've been told I have to record. I was trying to leave, okay? She dove at me. I had nearly broken my left arm. I don't know, you can still see the scar on there where that beam hit me right there. Uh, we were building the church, or building the cafeteria here, big steel beams, and one of them fell, it caught me on the arm. That was about, I don't know, a couple of weeks before this event. So I got my very, very sore left arm. My right arm's holding the phone. I'm right-handed. She dives at me, and I just pushed her off to the side. She hits the shelf, hits the floor. Nine months later, she files charges that I body slammed her. This is all to get money. I just, I worry it's going to cost her everything she's got, okay? She's going to lose money on this one. I, I don't want that. I don't want this fight. I gave the gospel out today, led people to the Lord. I just want to win souls and give tours and leave me alone, okay? I completely understand. Obviously, there's going to still be some non-believers out there running their mouth and trying to make up their own exaggerated story. That was one of the reasons why... If you continue to bring people forward, I'll be more than happy to have them on the show, have them talk about it and what they know about the case. Because social media idiots, as you can obviously see, they're going to make up whatever they can because they got a chip on their shoulder because you teach against their evolution and their nonsense. So they want to ruin people for that. That's terrible to want to ruin someone just because they have different ideas or thoughts than you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this is their, they understand, the evolutionists understand. I, I simply and sweetly and, and clearly destroy their theory of evolution. And that leaves only one other choice. There's a God. See, when you, when you get to that conclusion, you say, wow, there's a God. Then all of a sudden you say, oh, no, there's a God. Oh, no, <laughs> I better find out who he is, find out what he wants and do what he says. He owns this place. He's got rules. You're going to be judged by those rules, whether you like it or not. So rather than uh, realize or rather than admit there's a God and they have to obey his rules, 
they will deny he exists and come up with stupid ideas to how to explain how we got here without God. I said, I want you to explain how this ink pen came to be, but you cannot use man as your answer. Give me a naturalistic explanation for an ink pen. You can't do it. There isn't one. There isn't a naturalistic explanation for a cell phone. Somebody designed it and created it. it just It's not, there's no answer. So there isn't a natural explanation for how this world got here and how this universe got here and how life got started. There isn't a naturalistic explanation. But they're so desperate to believe in one, they will come up with stupid ideas like the octopus riding an asteroid through getting knocked off a planet somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I did that last night on my uh, comments on comments. If you get a chance, go to Kent, Kent Hovind official and watch the one I did on the, the peer reviewed article. 33 scientists said one of the options is octopus are so strange. Maybe they came from another planet rode here on an asteroid like the surfing monkeys across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> They're desperate, brother. Yeah, I watched your video on the uh, octopus. There's another creature that they're claiming also that uh, supposedly was surfing on uh, comets and made its way here, the squid as well. So we got squid <laughs> and we got octopus. Apparently anything that's unusual uh, that they can't do, I mean, I, I don't know why they didn't just simply argue. They already believe they share 70% relation with a slug. So why not the octopus? But hey, if they want to go alien with it, that sounds like Richard Dawkins a while back, right? Amen. One of them told me he believes he's related to a strawberry. Another one said he's related to a snail. Uh, <laughs> okay. You can believe whatever you want, but Judgment Day is going to be very interesting when God says, sorry, you're an idiot. Oh, did you hear what happened during uh, Matt Powell's debate with, uh, what's his name, Mr. Jones? Uh, Matt asked him, how did the thing survive? How did the monkey survive while it was on this uh, this small uh, raft made out of seaweed? And the guy, I cannot believe he said this. And I had to mute my mic because I almost fell out of my chair dying laughing. But he said, the monkey was eating its own floating device. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> For 900 miles, it did this. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Got to check the uh, the current, the ocean. The ocean has currents in it because of the spin of the earth. You know, the equator is moving faster than the poles. So it creates ocean currents. I don't know if the current is even going the right way to bring them across from Africa. Hmm. This globe does not show. Yeah, the, the South Atlantic current does flow this way. But to go 900 miles, uh, I think the current's probably, you know, three miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> it's, they're so desperate to believe anything except God did it. As far as animals getting to different continents, the answer is so much simpler. Obviously, the Earth used to have huge ice caps. The ice came clear down to Kansas City, Missouri. There's overwhelming, indisputable evidence, glacial, more, terminal moraines, lateral moraines, uh, and there's no question ice came down to Kansas City, Missouri. I don't think anybody argues about that. Well, if the ice caps are bigger, then the oceans have to be smaller because a whole bunch of the water is frozen and stuck in the ice. I think during the flood, the ice caps were huge. After the flood, it would take 500 years for all that ice to melt back. It would melt back, go forward, melt. It makes its own refrigerator. When you get that much ice together, it refrigerates itself. So it may take several hundred years for the ice to melt back to where it is today, the ice caps. 
While it's melting back, it's running into the oceans, and the oceans are getting deeper. Duh. If the oceans are deeper, they're also bigger. That's why all the continents have what's called a continental shelf. If you, took, if you lowered the oceans today, they average 12,000 feet. If you took 100 feet of water out of 12,000 and froze it and stuck it on the poles, now the oceans are 100 feet lower, and you can walk anywhere in the world. They say, how did the kangaroos get to Australia? Well, they walked. The water's only 30 or 40 feet deep into here. Type in, or look on your phone, get on Google Maps, and go to continental shelf around, say, the Philippines. You know, it's 30, 40 feet deep. Between Russia and Alaska, it's about 60 feet deep from here to that back wall. That's it. So if you lowered the oceans by freezing that water, sticking it on the poles, now the, ice, the continents are much bigger. I think right after the flood, when they got off the ark, the oceans were smaller, and you could walk anywhere in the world. They were connected. People say, do you think the continents were ever connected? I say, they're, they're still connected right now. If you had long pair of stilts, you could walk over to England. I mean, the oceans have a bottom to them, you know? So, like, duh, where are they connected? They still are. <laughs> I don't understand that. But just that's it, after the flood, the oceans were smaller because the ice caps were bigger. England, between England and France, the English Channel is only about 50 or 100 feet deep. A couple of deep spots maybe, but you walk around the deep spots, like duh. So I think that the, the migration wave took out from Noah's Ark for the next few hundred years after the flood. Uh, and then as the ice melted back, the oceans get bigger and they become trapped. And some animals, <clears throat> some unusual animals were trapped in Australia, and now they can't get back because the land bridge is underwater. So they happily live, live happily ever after the koalas and the kangaroos, et cetera, <clears throat> in, in Australia. So that, that's the Hovind theory that the, the, the flood caused even after the flood for a couple hundred years, the migration to the, uh, certain uh, uh, regions, okay? Looks like we got uh, Big Jeremiah in here, our juror. Is that you or is that a troll? Oh, that's me, Big Jer. All right, I can take the demon blocker down. I was making sure my friend wasn't being trolled there. There you go. I, right. hadn't put, I haven't put it up, but that's the way. I, my name has always been Big Jer, everybody that I've run across, because I'm like, hello there. Ken, I appreciate your ministry. I've uh, been following you for years off and on, and uh, thrilled to be able to talk to you directly. It's a uh, it's, it's great, uh, great privilege, and I appreciate the work you do. Well, thank you, sir. You're not the only one following me. I got the KGB, the IRS, the FBI, the Gestapo. They're all following me, brother. <laughs> well, when you're living right, that's the way it works, you know. <laughs> I got a question for you, Kent. You've probably often heard atheists claim that they believe in an ice age, yet they don't believe it's possible for the world to flood. How does that logic work? Do you ever get blown away when you hear claims like that? They're so illogical on so many things. People say, well, how, did the, how, did the, how did the world get flooded? Well, there's enough water in the oceans right now. If you smoothed out the earth, push the continents down, just smooth it out, the water would be 8,800 feet deep everywhere, a mile and a half deep. People say, where'd all the water from Noah's flood go? It, you know, here, it's in the oceans. They're huge. 70% of the world's still covered by water. At the end of the flood, it says in Psalm 104, the mountains arose, the valleys sank down, and the water ran off. If this, room was, if this room was three feet deep in water, and we picked up that end of the building, the water would run down here. Now it would be six feet deep here, and that would become exposed, dry. So it's interesting. Nearly all the mountain ranges follow the coastlines. 
You got the Rocky Mountains following the North Atlantic or North Pacific. You got the Appalachian Mountains following the North Atlantic, the Andes Mountains following the South Pacific. The, uh, even the Alps follow the Mediterranean. I think a small section caved in, made the Mediterranean, Alps came up. So the mountain ranges and oceans formed at the same time. So the water from Noah's flood is still here. The evidence for Noah's flood with the rounded rocks all over. You guys saw them today on the tour. There's families here visiting. We got seven layers of gravel right here in Lenox, Alabama. This is a gravel pit for 20 years. <clears throat> and the rocks are rounded off. They were tumbled back and forth like in a rock tumbler. Noah's flood did all that. They call it river rock. It's not river rock. It's flood rock. We got a bunch of it here. You can put rocks in a rock polisher and, get, you know, roll them around. And they come out polished and rounded. So, and the petrified seashells closed on top of Mount Everest. I, there was a flood. Now, I don't think Mount, the water was over Mount Everest. I think Mount Everest was under the water. Big difference. Mount Everest wasn't there until after the flood. When the mountains arose, the valley sank down. The Himalaya Mountains rose up at either during the, during the flood or during the last part of the flood or shortly after because the crust of the earth is all busted up like an eggshell and the pieces are still twisting and floating around. That's what causes earthquakes and volcanoes. Just Google the ring of fire uh, or plate tectonics. Yes, the plates are moving. Yes, the earth is cracked up and there's fault lines all over the plates. San Andreas fault, the Hayward fault, the New Madrid fault. None of them are my fault, but the earth has faults, okay? And they're still moving. That's because of Noah's flood. All happened at the same time. The fountains of the deep broke open. That's when the earth's crust got cracked up, I think. Well well, Kent, the uh, science seems to agree with you on this issue. Uh, just a few years ago, there's an article that I've put in uh, one of my videos. I can provide it for you uh, to add to what you already got as an arsenal here. But apparently there's enough water in the earth to fill the oceans three to four times over right beneath us to do this. And since the planet is almost 70, 75% water anyway, and there's enough water beneath the fill three times, four times over, well, my goodness, the earth is practically tea. All it needs is an ice cube and it's over, right? I've read articles that say there might be 10 oceans full of water in the crust of the earth still. There's a lot of water. The Bible says when God created it, Genesis chapter one and two, that there was water above the firmament, that's where the birds fly, and water under in the crust of the earth. See, the scoffers in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says the scoffers are ignorant of how God made the world in the water and out of the water. When he made it, there was water under the crust of the earth, probably to regulate the temperature, keep it, you know, uh, even temperature, a crust maybe 10 miles thick, and then a layer of air probably 10 miles thick, and then a couple inches of ice, I think, Super cold ice because outer space is near, you know, minus 455 Fahrenheit, uh, 271 Kelvin, or zero, zero one, one degree Kelvin and 273, never mind, Celsius, minus Celsius. But that layer of ice above kept the air pressure greater, filtered out radiation from the sun. It was designed for man to live forever. You mean the canopy, right, Ken? Is that what you're? Is that what you're saying there? Absolutely. Some other creationists do not believe in the canopy theory. They are wrong. I am right. There was a canopy above the earth. <laughs> well, I'm going to step away for a moment, Mr. Steen. If you would like to talk to him, praise I am. And also, it looked like Donnie said he'd be in a little bit. I'll be right back, guys. I think you guys can have some good questions while I'm uh, away, just for a moment. Um, Big Jerry's Big ministry, tell him. I had um, committed my life to Christ back in 1980. And um, after doing so, uh, of course, I had been, you know, taught all about the evolution thing by a very kind um, 
kind individual who went to church, um, you know, and, and so I just accepted that as, as fact. But after I committed my life to Christ, there was just something inside that said, you know, there's just something wrong about that. And so I decided that I would go ahead and, and start doing my own research and trying to dig in. Uh, I grabbed me one of these books here, which is really helpful. The, uh, you know, the Genesis flood, uh, lots of other things. Um, and, you know, went to the library and, and tried to find all the information I could. And, um, you know, it was, it was really fascinating. One of the things that you would really love, Kent, was um, I looked at the Humanist magazine. Now, you know, you, you lived in that era where you had to go to the magazine, you know, uh, you go to the library and you looked at these magazines, you know, and you read them. And uh, so I was reading the Humanist magazine. And, and some of their anti-creation stuff that they were talking about. And um, I, I, I read about how it was impossible for Noah to have built that ark. And they said with the tools that they had back then and the, uh, the capabilities that they had to build the ark, it would have taken them 100 years to do it. Of Probably course. Did. Well, that's what the Bible says. Hey, isn't that probably great? Did. It probably did. <laughs> and, and and so it was just like, God just like confirmed. It's like, yeah, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And I caught them on a couple of other things where they're trying to spout off, trying to act like they're wise and they're not. You know, they just, it was just so foolish to, you know, to, and, and it was almost comical. But, um, of course, then they were arguing that there wasn't enough water. Um, and I ran across a professor probably about 10 years later, and uh, he made the statement. He goes, well, you know, there's evidence all around the world that there probably was a worldwide flood, at least 13 of them. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's just like throw enough manure against the wall and some of it's going to stick type thing, you know? And uh, I realized in when I when I started researching, I realized that, you know, they're just like they're constantly saying no, no, no. It, it's like, you know, they tried to say that there was no writing back in Moses time. Well, then we uncovered the Rosetta Stone, blew that theory out of the water. They tried to say that there was no such a place as uh, Ur that Abraham or that, that, that Abraham lived before he was called out. Well, guess what? They found it. Um, you know, and they're, they're still like, they're still trying to say, well, we can't, I don't have any evidence about Noah's flood, you know, and Noah's ark. There's no evidence about it, you know, just because they can't dig up, you know, dig up the, the actual ark. They're going to just use that as the basis by which they're going to doubt the entire scriptures. And, um, you know, the foolishness you don't prove something by, you know, by, you know, saying there's not the evidence for it. You can't, you can't disprove it by saying there's not the evidence for it. You know, they tried to say that, um, you know, those millions of, uh, of um, Israelites wandering the desert for 40 years, there'd be dead carcasses all over the place, you know, and, and while they can't find it, so it didn't happen. And uh, that's the kind of thing that you run up against is you know they just try to throw those kinds of doubts out and it's just like no it, it, 
I, I've got to work. I thought I had made adjustments. Every once in a while, my, my video freezes up. But um, uh, I thought it was interesting how, how, how the, they tried to change the definitions, too. Now, Kent, when I was growing up and, and I was studying science, they called uh, the ability to, of a creature to adapt to its environment as adaptation. And, and and I find it interesting that um, that doesn't even exist in some of the science books. They just call it all evolution. You know, there is a, uh, I heard it described, it's like a rubber band that our DNA has the capability of stretching in order to survive circumstances that we're in. But if you reach too far, the rubber band snaps. And they have tried to continually change the DNA to try to, you know, to try to cause an evolutionary. And every time they do, it just snaps like a rubber band and it's gone. And uh, I, I found I found that interesting uh, when I when I when I did some research on that. But, uh, yeah, I just um, those are some of the things that I've run across. And um, I, I really, um, uh, you know, I have no no issues whatsoever. Um, about the issue of creation to try to say it's ages doesn't make sense, you know, <laughs> but everyone's tries to, tries to make it say everything except for what it says. We uh, got yeah. someone who says they are Donnie standing for Christ. I want to make sure it's really him before I take the demon blocker. SFT's in the house. Is, Is he standing? You? Can it's you see me, Brett. No worries, brother. It's me. Oh, <laughs> very good. Very good. There he is. What's up? It's good to see you, brothers. How are we doing? Dr. Hoven, good to see you. Hey, thank you. <clears throat> enjoying this. I'm really enjoying this. Appreciate the link there, Brett. Uh, Dr. Hoven, are you enjoying the Evolution Debate Challenge series? You've been doing, what, two a week now for the last four months? Brother, I could do 20 a day. Anybody believes they came, <laughs> anybody thinks they came from a rock needs some serious help. And I, I'm here to help. Doctor's in. I'll, I'll, I'll straighten them out. <laughs> and, and don't forget, they believe they're related to a snail. We are oh, yeah. still fish. And our ancestor is, is a strawberry, essentially. <laughs> are you guys waiting for the day they, cl they claim to come from uh, alien snails, panspermia? <laughs> I'm sure there's some claiming that. Uh, Ken, I've, I've, I've got a question for you. This is what a lot of the uh, top dogs, I guess you could say, put forth as evidence for evolution. The PhDs over at uh, BioLogos, Richard Dawkins, they'll say, well, you know, the best evidence for evolution is the existence of a nested hierarchy. You know, the fact that we as humans are more similar to, let's say, the chimpanzee than we are to a dog or a fish. So my question would be, why did God, from a common design perspective, make us more similar to, let's say, the primates or a chimpanzee than to other forms of life like a dog or a fish? Well, I'd say, first of all, there are trillions of differences. You know, why does General Motors build cars and trucks that both have four tires? Uh, it, that, it works, okay? They both have a steering wheel and they both have, you know, a suspension system and of course, there's a lot of similarities between all the vehicles everybody builds because they got to face the same environment. <clears throat> you want a vehicle that you're able to steer and the wheels can bounce up and down and you want something to keep the rain off and there's probably windows to see out of. I bet most of them have glass someplace. Of course, 
that's not evidence of evolution. It's evidence of a common design from a common designer that works. We got two arms so we can hold things and grab things. I like them very much. I tend to use, been using them all my life, okay? And I try to protect them, okay? So I don't want to break them. I broke them both a couple of times. So I think that monkeys have two arms and so what? That proves a common designer. But in their brain, they are so anxious to believe in evolution, they can't even consider that maybe there's a common designer. The fact that man has decided to classify animals together and say this one's similar to this one does not mean the animals believe that. I don't think the monkeys care how we classify them. I know this, you turn all the animals in the world loose into the woods, the monkey, male monkeys are gonna seek out the female monkeys, not the cows, not the hamsters, not the pine trees. They well, yeah, those are the same kind. The males know which ones are the same kind. Duh. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, as you say, Dr. Kent, uh, that we're made of atoms, therefore, I guess we came from atoms then. Like, they're, like there's, certain, there's similar things that we have that other things have. That doesn't mean we came from or originated from, from them. I think that's a stupid hypothesis. Hypothesis, yeah. Hierarchy so, is purely, purely man-made. We have our tools in our shop in nested hierarchies. We have the battery-powered tools in one part, the plug-in power tools in another part, the screws are in a separate part, and the nails we keep separate from the screws. They're both made out of iron, they both serve the same function, hold something together, but we keep them separate because we think screws are different than nails. And we even got the nails sorted, big ones and little ones. Yeah, of course, every hardware store in the world does that. So the fact that we have decided to classify them does not mean the animals themselves care at all where we classify them, they don't care. Amen. Well said, Dr. Hovind. And when it comes to tools, you could even find hard to classify tools like fencing pliers. Like, ooh, where do we put this one? You know, to the evolutionist, there's your trans there's your transitional form when it's nothing of the kind. Yeah. Wouldn't going through a transition uh, cause survival issues for a creature? Let's say, for example, they like to claim that dinosaurs just uh, suddenly somehow missed the meteorite and were able to transform into awesome feathery birds. You would think that while they're going through some kind of transition like that, that would make it difficult for them to move around and defend themselves against anything. Have you ever heard an explanation for this, Donnie or uh, Kent? I think Donnie calls them mosaics. I think that's a good, I like that terminology. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Brett. I was on mute there, brother. Yeah, these um, transitional forms, if, if they existed, of course, there would be uh, massive problems in, in evolving or maintaining some of these complexities. But I like to point out, just like, uh, you know, Kent and I were, were chatting about a, a few seconds ago that, man-made designs like tools fencing pliers could be considered you know an, an interesting mosaic or transitional form or even some of these hard to classify vehicles these days these crossover suvs i mean are we looking at a van or an suv or these military amphibious assault vehicles right the a mixture of, of a land tank and uh, a military vehicle built for for the ocean so these are just good designs so even if we find some interesting mosaics in the biological world like the platypus or, you know, the evolutionists like to look to Archaeopteryx or, or Tiktaalik. I mean, we're just looking at good design. <laughs> we're not looking at one creature transitioning in, into another. So that'd be my response, at least. You know, Donnie, we had a guy in named John Richards last time. Kent was in there and they were doing a discussion. And the guy continued to appeal to this idea where he was saying, 
oh, the human, if the human can't be designed, it's so terrible, it's so awful, we breathe through the same place we eat. And I said, I'll tell you what, John, take 50 of your most intelligent friends, go into a lab and see if you can do better than God, and get back with me. Went dead quiet. <laughs> yeah, I, one, one professor said, women are poorly designed because the baby has to go through the pelvic cradle. He said, it'd be much better if the baby came out through the belly button. <laughs> Where did he come up with this stupid stuff? You know, I was just gonna say, uh, there was this guy, I don't know what country he's from, but he but he talks, you know, he's got the British accent. And I asked him, uh, all right, all right, what's your best evidence for uh for evolution? He says, Well, hold on, I'll show you a picture of a of a dolphin going through a, 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 a evolution. So so then he showed me this picture of a dolphin with a deformed fin. <laughs> it, it was balled up like, and it looked like a human fist. I says, wait, wait, where's the image? He says, I'm showing it to you right now. You just got to look at the image. Are you, are you paying attention, Mr. Christian? And I, and I looked at it, I was like, wait a minute, you mean the balled up fist, uh, the fin in the shape of a balled up human fist on the dolphin? He said, yes, that's evolution. And I'm like, are you serious? That sounds like the evolution of Photoshop to me, if you ask. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, even if it was real, I mean, all you got to do is do an X-ray of a dolphin's fin, and what are you going to see? You're going to see a set of bones that are, that are, you know, somebody could easily uh, anthropomorphize it and say, oh, yeah, that looks like a human uh, a hand, a, a set of bones that look like a human hand or something. You know, but, but all it was was just a balled up <laughs> fin. That's all it was. <laughs> And he said that was evolution. It's evolution. I like how they say it, evolution. You mean, Veckel, that's not enough evidence for you to believe that you and a banana plant are related through common ancestry? Come on, quit denying the science. <laughs> I'm going to tell you one thing, man. Somebody told me that I came from a monkey. There's going to be some problems, man. <laughs> yeah. but, but, I, but I wanted to ask uh, and Kent uh, a question. Um, in, uh, in SFT, I asked you this question before. Um, what What is the best... Uh, evidence that you can provide about the the uh what's the question it was i wanted to ask uh, about the the bones the set of bones that we see uh re, you know uh through the different layers but how come uh or is there any evidence of human bones in the same layers as these dinosaur bones well uh, that they drowned in the flood yeah. yeah they start off with the assumption that all the layers are different ages and there's the problem I have this thing on my desk, I flip it over, it makes 10 or 15 different layers in a few minutes. Is the top layer younger? They, say, they have this geologic column that they teach the kids, you know, Cenozoic, Mesozoic, Paleozoic with the Jurassic, Triassic, Mississippian, Devonian, Silurian. It's all baloney. It doesn't exist anywhere in the world except in the textbook. There is no geologic column. They say the top layer is younger. I say, really, where did it come from? Outer space? Stop and think about it. All the layers are the same age, all of them. If you shuffle a deck of cards, is the top card younger? No. And moving it from here to here does not make it younger now. All, every speck of dirt on the planet is the same age. If whether it's 6,000 or 6 trillion, it's every speck of dirt is the same age. But they, they start with the assumption that the layers are different ages, and there's the false assumption. Then they dig down looking for bones in these layers, and they find that, wow, generally clams are found at the bottom. 
Therefore, clams evolved first. That's their, that's their logic. No, clams are found at the bottom, guys, because that's where they live when the flood starts. Of course, <laughs> they're the first ones buried. Maybe right. they're found at the bottom because clams can't run very fast and they get trapped quickly. Maybe they're found at the bottom because they're heavy. They have a heavy shell. I mean, hello, of course they're found at the bottom. They say, now, birds are found at the top layer. Therefore, birds evolve last. I say, guys, birds, birds are the last ones to drown in a flood. They can fly around till they run out of gas. Of course, they're on top. And when they do die, they got hollow bones and hollow feathers, and they're going to float. And birds are a little smarter than clams, as far as we can figure out. They probably would figure out a way to avoid drowning. When clams get scared, they clam up. And when the mud's blowing back and forth from Noah's flood, just the tide coming up and down, make the water go back and forth. It'd make a layer of mud 50 feet thick in 10 seconds. So I point out, first of all, there is no geologic column. This doesn't exist, okay? Secondly, any sorting we see is hydrologic sorting. Water automatically sorts things based upon body density, based on mobility, based on intelligence, based on habitat. The clams already live at the bottom. Of course, they're buried first. So, and as far as dinosaurs and humans, I think they have been found in the same strata, but it wouldn't matter. Dinosaurs always lived with man. They had different names, typically dragons or something. There might be some still alive. Um, I cover that on video number three, all about dinosaurs, the dinosaurs living with man in the past and the few that may still be around. Get my video, Dinosaurs and the Bible, and give that one out to everybody you meet. So, yeah, I think it, it's so sad. These guys are so brainwashed. They believe, oh, these layers, and they got names for them, Cenozoic. That's the Bible to the evolutionist. They'll say, well, during the Cretaceous period, there's no such thing as a Cretaceous period, guys. Stop. There is no fossil record. There's a lot of fossils, trillions of them, but none of them talk. Petrified clam. Quiet. None of them have a date stamped on them. Does not say 570 million BC. Doesn't say that. They're Maybe putting their China. interpretation on them. The whole geologic column is, the, is a joke. That's the Bible to the evolutionist. It's a joke. It doesn't exist anywhere in the world. I'll debate all the geologists in the world on that topic. I want to throw something by you, Kent. Um, back in, uh, in my studies, one of the things that they objected to as far as Adam and Eve goes is that, you know, is that you would have to have and I can't remember whether it was 16 or 32. I guess that would depend on the expert, you know, that, that would say it. That you would have to have a gene pool of 16 to 32 beings, uh, whatever they were, in order to create a good gene pool in order to in, in order to grow and develop. And so that's why they object to the Adam and Eve. And I turn that around on them. And I go, well, that means that this miracle of, of a transitional form of creature, not only would it have to happen to one, but it would have to happen to 16 all in the same place at the same time. You know, it doesn't make sense. They will not believe the Adam and Eve story. Over something like that, it takes 16 to 32 people to have a diversified gene pool. And yet they believe we all came from a rock, which has no gene pool at all. Right. They're, they're so desperate to believe that. Yeah. Now, if Adam and Eve like, were... I'm sorry. I'm sorry I just like the concept of turning their argument against them. 
And I don't have the faith to believe that there would be that kind of event that would happen. And in their case, it would have to happen over and over again for all the different types of creatures that we have. It would have to happen suddenly, you know, 16 to 32, all at one time in the same place. Doesn't make sense. So I just... I really like that concept because it's like nobody was arguing that. And I said, wait a minute. Now you're saying this. Okay. Now you're telling me that all that has to happen in order for a transitionary uh, form to take place and to be successful. I don't have faith for that. (laughs) Does anybody know the user of the news unit? Anybody know a person called the news unit? Oh, yeah. 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 He's extremely annoying. All right. No, thanks. Uh, news unit, maybe some other time. Not really in the mood for that. You got two people who don't love you. I'm sorry. So that's that. Oh, I, I do got a question. If the Earth hypothetically was billions of years old, wouldn't we have uh, overabundance of fossils? I mean, to the point where when we walk outside, we're tripping over bones. It seems like a long time, a lot of corpses. Who's that looking for? Anybody wants to. <laughs> I, I point out to the atheists, guys, we don't see fossils forming today at all. How many animals died in the last year, would you guess? And how many turned to fossils? None. Millions died. None fossilized. Fossilization takes very special conditions. The creature has to be buried rapidly in mud, and mud that can replace the bones gradually. The fossilization process is pretty well understood. And we find lots of fossils, no question. But we don't see it happening today. Therefore, the Noah's flood story is the most logical explanation for how all these animals got buried at the same time. And then they all get sorted based upon their body density and hydrologic sorting, stuff like that. And the layers would have formed very quickly during the flood. But we don't see fossils forming today at all. Uh, So why do we have so many billions of fossils? They formed at one time in one big flood. But to get my point, if the Earth were billions of years old, we should be seeing an overabundance. It should be to the point where everywhere you walk, you're tripping over a bone here and there. Hey, Olive, if you want to come in, you're more than welcome to. Sydney Winston, welcome to the room. Thank you. And I'm going to bow out because uh, um, I've got a couple of projects that I'm trying to get accomplished and uh, um, still trying to get my book finally edited brent you know how that goes well i told you when you get your book done let me know i'll be more than happy to advertise it you can make me a 30 second clip i'll put it on every show for you brother Wonderful. sounds like it's going to be a good one well I'm, I'm working on english wasn't my best subject and as i read through i see a lot of you know english errors and i've got some editors working on it too but um i'm trying to trying to go through it myself and then i've got editors and after i get done with them you know i want to try to make sure that it's uh it's well 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 put together and um it i'm very happy about the uh the way it come together but yeah we'll we'll talk about that later we'll see you all later can't god bless you all right Brett, take care you. take care all love to you and your family god bless thank you thank actually you, brett if I could add something, you made a good point there. And then I'd like to follow it up with, with a question for Dr. Dino is uh, your point on there really not even being enough fossils 
if the earth really is billions of years old, we could focus in. I've done my own calculations in, in a book I wrote on human evolution. If we were to just look at humans in the fossil record, we actually see no evidence of hundreds of thousands of years of, of human existence. Because if we were to even take the evolutionary model, take their time frame, okay? And let's take uh, Homo erectus, which they like to prop up as, as one of our ancestors. We can safely assume that about a million Homo erectus lived across Eurasia, Africa. Essentially, they handled a, a massive distribution, okay? So if we say that their average generation time is, is 20 years, that means about every 20 years, you have another million dead bodies. And so after a million years, we have over 20 billion dead Homo erectus. And guess what? This is 20 billion people of which we have no evidence ever existed. And even the evolutionists would admit that uh, Homo erectus, who we would say was fully human, but they'll even admit that erectus had primitive technology. They would have had campsites, villages, fire, right? There'd be a ton of evidence for their existence. But believe it or not, Every single fossil for, you know, Homo erectus, we can fit in the trunk of a car. So where's all the evidence of, of you know, 20 billion dead, dead Homo erectus? And that's just one single example that, that refutes deep time evolution. Yeah, anything they've claimed to have even found anyway, they end up making fake parts in order to put it up in a museum. Lucy's a perfect example. They put fake human feet on that thing that was not there before. Originally, it was just like a, a piece of taco-looking thing, and then they just designed the rest over it. Mm. And then my, my question for Kent, can you speak on it? It's, it's to elaborate a little bit on Veckel's question earlier on the ordering of the fossils. You talk a lot about these uh, stratification experiments. And I actually just had John Mackay, the creation guy on, and they're, they're, they're doing real-time experiments in Australia showing how these rock layers can, can form sideways based on, on the movements of the water and how all of these layers essentially were reshuffled during the flood. And so to interpret the bottom layer as the oldest and, and the top layer as, as the youngest is, is fallacious. Can you speak a little bit to that, brother? There's a great video done 20 years ago by some French guy, I forget his name, it's about that long, but it's called Experiments in Stratification. If you can Google that, uh, and he shows how that when water is moving sideways, it forms 10 or 15 layers at the same time. The layers are forming horizontally, not vertically. So the bottom layer could have a fossil that's actually younger than one at the top because the layers are forming this way. Just Google experiments and stratification by, I think it's Bernard something or other. I, I should look that up. But yeah, the whole fallacy of the thinking is that the layers form this way. You can shake up, well, I made 20 layers in the last couple minutes here by flipping this thing over. Fossils, contain, dead animals containing, contained in those layers would, uh, would anything dead buried, if it's buried quickly enough before it decomposes, would turn to fossils if it's got the right minerals in the, in the, in the mud around it. And so the layers would form quickly and get that video experiments and stratification, how they form horizontally, not vertically. It's crazy. And what was the other part of your question? I forgot already. Um has to do with with the uh, in, in good response the, the question you'll typically ask the evolutionists you know where did the material for these layers come from outer space right because you point out that essentially we're, we're just getting the reshuffling of pre-existing material that's already here on the earth 
Yeah, so I guess I guess the question would be how how did that re refute their position? And when they say, well, you know, this just comes from lava flows that's deep within the mantle, and and that's where we're getting new layers, isn't that fallacious? Because that's or that that's just moving material from Earth to another place on the Earth. How does that help them? Well, it's not only moving the same material around; it's now igneous. It's been ignited, where the word igneous comes from, lava. That's not sedimentary rock like we see the fossils found in. Lava wouldn't contain any fossils. It's too hot. It would have burned everything up, including the bones. So the, the, set of, the fossils are found in sedimentary rock, and which is not coming from volcanoes. So there's absolutely, they don't understand earth science 101 if they think, you know, that's the new layers are coming from lava. There are layers coming from lava, but it's not containing any fossils. Amen. Well said. Well said. The, the so-called geologic column, it, it, it's no help to them, essentially. So, well, That is their Bible. And you, you attack that, they'll get mad at you. But it, it doesn't exist. It's completely fake. You know, Kent, we well, were talking about the whole uh, reproductive organs as well as the sex drive. I haven't heard any non-believers or anybody be able to give an example of how this very powerful uh, mechanism within the body to make this work and the replication involved in it, how it has anything. And of course, without the drive, it wouldn't even matter what they have because they have no interest or appeal in each other. Have you ever even heard a good argument for this? Oh, I, I ask them that all the time. Why would all of the animals and plants in the world evolve the ability to reproduce? That's only going to make more mouse to feed. Ask anybody's got kids. Did your budget go up? Yeah, duh. <laughs> why would why don't why didn't any plant or animal just simply evolve the ability to live forever? Would that be better? A lot cheaper. But all the plants and animals have not only the ability to reproduce, they have the ph phenomenal drive to reproduce. You should see all our animals here. They go nuts trying to find Mrs. You know, tortoise or Mrs. Horse or whatever they are. You know, they're, they're frantic to find a partner. I think that's normal. That's natural. That's the way God did it. But well, how could that evolve? I've never heard an answer to that one. The other thing for me, too, is how is it that they believe that the reproductive organs themselves, uh, no offense, folks, such as the penis and vagina, how did it stay compatible after all these years as it went from species to species to species? The only thing they've told me is, well, if it didn't, it would have died. Yeah, no duh. But how did it actually do that? Tell me about the carriage, not the horse. <laughs> and which evolved first, the male or the female? And how did it live without the other one? You got me, Kent. I'm still wondering Kent. when the atheist is going to answer that. They're the ones that believe in magic. I think it was designed very well, by the way. But it was designed, okay, by God. Yeah, it makes absolute sense with the concept of an intelligent designer putting purpose and logic into the design to do that. But to say that it naturalistically, without no guide or help, eh, we're back to octopuses on comets, as far as you ask me. Hey, brother, I've been impromptu here for an hour. I got people, visitors here waiting. I don't, if you got some other questions, let's take them real quick, but I need to get going here. Well, anybody want to ask him a question? I don't want to hold him back. I know he's a busy man. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, you said, yeah, sure, and now comes the question. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, I was just hit, waiting to see if my mic was working. It obviously is. Um, so I've been hearing um, Mr. Harvind talk 
for what an, an hour and some on uh, things like uh, science and geology and fossilology and and all this kind of stuff and then and also saying things like uh, god did this and god did that which is which is fair enough but i not once have heard mr harvind make a decent argument that god actually can exist without being caused that's something that i've always had a problem with you you accept you accept you you deny the accepted science and you accept uh the the eternal nature of this um conceptual god and i find that difficult to um i find it difficult to come to terms with uh until i understand how how god came to be i don't know how we have any uh, knowledge or um um or um yeah, I'd say any knowledge uh, or mastership of uh, of anything that we can think of on a theological level, because you, we can talk theology and science and deny this and deny that all day long, but when it comes to this uh, this eternal God thing, um, there's never been an argument to support how this God thing came into existence, because it must have come into existence. It can't. Uh, by your own, um, by your own, uh, uh, by your own logic, you can't have been around forever because nothing does not produce something. So, okay, fair question, a very fair okay. question, and I understand um, the question: What caused God, or where did God come from? The question: Where did God come from? Have several built-in automatic assumptions. The where involves distance you know space what if god is outside of time space and matter then the where he's everywhere at the same time did involves time past tense did what if god's outside of time we're the ones that are stuck in time space and matter god's not stuck in any of those right but you're still god. presupposing god well true the god that i worship claims he's eternal he is just i am in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth God actually created time, space, matter in those ten words. Right. I've been right. stuck. Well, I've been stuck in time and space and matter all my life. It's right. hard for me so, to visualize anything. Well, let, let me answer your question. Okay, I didn't interrupt okay. you. Uh, sorry. If two if two computers were arguing with each other, does man exist? And where did man come from? The two computers are probably never going to come to an answer to either one of those questions. They're not capable of thinking outside their little box. So. We, as humans, can argue about where did God come from, because it's, it, you're trying desperately to put human limitations on God. So you're not thinking of the biblical God, that's for sure. The God that I worship is not the limited by time, God. space, or matter. I'm thinking of the creator God. Yeah, that, the that creator cannot, God. That cannot, that has somehow appeared from nothing. Right. Uh, Brett, I'd ask that when I talk, you mute his mic, okay? I don't interrupt him. He doesn't interrupt me, Okay. Uh, yes, I'll you got to mute, you mute right. your mic whenever he's going. Go ahead. Oh, you do it. You do it, Brett. He won't, I don't think. Uh, the God that I worship is not caused by anything. He just is. Now, I don't understand that, but that's what he claims. I've chosen to believe that by faith. And you said that I deny accepted science. That is absolutely not true. I love science. There's nothing scientific about evolution. Nobody's ever seen any animal or plant in the history of the world. Nobody's ever seen a cow produce a non-cow or a cow come from a non-cow. 
It just doesn't happen. It's imagination. But you guys have lines on paper drawing cows and strawberries coming to a common ancestor in amoeba. That's not science. You might think it's accepted science. Well, it's stupidity. It's accepted stupidity in my humble, totally unbiased opinion. And I'll debate you and every evolutionist you can find on that topic if I get half the time, one topic at a time, and no interrupting. Okay? So there is no evidence whatsoever that any animal or plant has ever produced anything other than its kind. 20 times in the first seven chapters, the Bible says they will bring forth after their kind. There are no exceptions to that. Every farmer in the history of the world will tell you cows produce cows and only cows. And cows are only interested in other cows to mate with. They're not interested in the fence post in the pine tree or the sheep. They're designed to do what they do. So I do not deny accepted science. I deny the evolution theory because it's not part of science. It's a religion. You believe cows and strawberries are related. You don't know that. You believe that, okay? The eternal God that I worship is completely outside of time, space, matter. And you're trying to put human limitations on God. you got the I'm wrong not, God in your mind. I'm not. I'm Go trying ahead. to find out right, how... So Sydney, Sydney uh, Kent doesn't have a whole lot of time, and I want to give other people a chance. I will provide you okay, uh, a well, couple... I'll provide you a couple videos that Kent has done. He actually did a debate. I, no, no. I, I, it's not the videos. The you guys have been talking for an hour about, I about things Sydney, that you know Kent nothing about. Go. I'd like to talk about God, which is supposed to know everything well, about. Be more than well, he does you know everything about God, you know how God... you're not the special Yes. Sydney, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about things, but Kent is getting ready to take off. He's got things See he's got to do. Nice to meet you. But uh, yeah. I want to give other people an opportunity before he goes, uh, if they if right. he's got a little bit of time, and then we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it as long as you like. Brett, have this guy called Donnie, standing for truth. Donnie's a good moderator. He shuts off their mic when it's my turn to talk. Already, this fellow's interrupted 20 times in the last six minutes. I don't want to do that. All right, so Sydney, you need to slow it down on that. Okay, so does anybody got any other questions for Kent, or uh, shall we let him go? I do. Um, I asked Mr. Kent about God, and he his answer had nothing to do with God. It was all about how... All right, so we already went through this. I said I was giving other people an opportunity. Kent, if nobody else has got any questions, God bless you, and thank you for coming up, and I apologize for the aggravation towards the end of it. I don't know why. Have him, have him contact Donnie and schedule a debate, and Donnie, shut him up when it's my turn to talk. Real simple. Fair enough? Hey, Amen. Sounds good to and me. I'll Sydney. take any questions like that. I did answer his question. His question is invalid. Where did God come from is an invalid question. It's like me asking, why are elephants orange? They're not orange. The question's no good. <laughs> His question, where, that involves a limitation by distance or time or space, did, involves limitations by time, past tense, God come from, again, limitations by, he's, he's trying to limit God. To, we're stuck in time, space, matter. God is not. God created time and space and matter in 10 words. In the beginning, there's time, God created the heaven, space, and the earth, matter. God is outside of those, and each of those in that trinity is also a trinity. Time has three parts, past, present, future. Space has three parts, length, width, height. Matter has three parts, solid, liquid, gas. A trinity of trinities made in 10 words. The God that I worship is outside of those. He's not limited by time. This is not 2022 in heaven. God's already standing at your funeral. He sees all of time at the same time, and is not the least bit surprised by anything. So the question is invalid, but 
if we can discuss that, we'll do more in detail if you'd like, Donnie, on your show or Brett on yours. But I demand equal time, one topic at a time and no interrupting. Sydney, you uh, go to Standing for Truth channel, the guy that's in the room named Donnie. He's got all the information in the description, email if you would like to be able to go with uh, uh, versus Kent Oven on a discussion on that. You're more than welcome to do that. Or I think he can also uh, call you as well, but it looks at, like Sydney's wanting a debate with you. So if that's the case, this is an open discussion. This isn't where we yell at each other, cut each other off, and call each other related strawberries, folks. Let's uh, add Mr. Phoenix to the room. Hello, Phoenix. Uh, hi, uh, Ken Hovind. I did have one question. I did ask it before. I think you might have misunderstood it. Uh, I, I was wanting to know about other pastors that are King James Version only um, to, you know, to learn from. Uh, so would you, would you have any recommendations of others I could listen to besides you? Even though you're good. Yeah, there are quite a few pastors who believe God preserved his word in the King James, like me. There's a website called AV, Authorized Version, avpublications.com. That's Gail Ripplinger's ministry in uh, North Carolina that is excellent defending the King James Bible against all others. And she would probably have a list of pastors more than I would. I don't collect that kind of stuff, but uh, uh, I, I, do, I speak at churches of all different flavors, and I'm not afraid of them at all. But uh, she would probably know... I know Pensacola Bible Institute in Pensacola, Peter Ruckman, he's dead now, but he, he did extensive work on that topic in the King James. He wrote this series of books, Why I'm Not a Mormon, Why I'm Not a Seventh-day Adventist, Peter S. Ruckman. I knew him. I had a lot of his students work at our ministry in Pensacola. He was rude, crude, crass, mean, and brilliant, uh, but his, his books are excellent on the topic. He would know. They keep a list of uh, King James churches. I, they did anyway. So go to Bible Baptist Church in Pensacola, ask them who's, who's a King James in your area. Now, just because they're right on King James doesn't mean they're right on every other doctrine. Okay, that's a good start, but they could be screwy on something else. I, I, I couldn't recommend them just based on that. Okay. Anybody else for uh, Ken's got to go? That's all I want. Thanks. All right. Kent, it's always a pleasure to have you. I love watching the debates over in Standing for Truth channel with you. And um, you have a rocking day, and God bless. Hey, thank you. Come visit our Dinosaur Adventureland in Lenox, Alabama. Love to have you. All right. God bless, brother. Um, great awesome. interview, Brett. I, I wanted to mention one thing, and I know Praise will have some thoughts on this, too. Oh, yeah. We got uh, somebody Sydney. I want to bring in real quick. I got to pull out the demon block. We got to pull out the demon block. You never know what to expect. Okay, let's let's see who this person let's is. See. Make sure they're not a demon. Islam Dawa, are you cool? Mr. Islam Dawa, are you cool? All right, if you don't know how to talk or you don't understand how to deal with you, I'm sorry. That was a waste of my damn time. You join a show. I love the demon blocker image. Oh, man. So you can protect that. Oh, I got one for the right side, too. There we go. See? Oh, demon blocker. That's fantastic, Brett. What's up, Standing? Sorry about the interruption. No worries. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. This. This Sydney guy, bring him back in if you want. I'm sure uh, me and Praise would love to go at him. Yeah, I want a piece oh, of him. Please bring him I, in. I have so many things to say about I, his illogical I, thinking. Is it irrational? 
I actually had told him to hold on and that after Kent goes and all that, because Kent looked like he was busy and I know how it is to be aggravated when you got to go do something and all that, but it looks like he took off. He may come back in a little bit. I've talked to the guy in the past. He's usually more calm. I don't know why he got so wound up. Uh, Kent has a special thing about him that just gets people excited. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, Kent is the master at triggering these atheists. Let me just say this, Velcro, then you go, brother. Oh, yeah, Kent yeah, yeah. gave him the perfect response. And then it just went whoop right over the guy's head. And like the typical militant atheist who just denies God's existence or, or uh, more likely suppresses uh, the knowledge of, of God, he just starts repeating his angry at God talking points. And um, here's the thing, okay? Time is actually a created entity, right? The, the, the first verse of the Bible reads, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So in the beginning is when time began. Before time began, before time, matter, and space was brought forth, there was no time. There was no time before time was created. So his question about, you know, when did God, you know, start to exist or where did God come from? It is, it's fallacious. It's silly. It's bad theology. Okay. God's the uncaused first cause. And it's funny how he just says, you know, things like, well, the last hour and a half, you guys have just been denying science, but yet provides zero counter rebuttal to anything being said any of the scientific-based arguments being said, right? If he had a counter-response, you know he would have brought it up. So it's just a nonsensical question. And, um, yeah, go ahead. What are your thoughts, brothers? What did you think about, about him? Well, my thoughts are this, man. It's uh, <clears throat> it's offensive to hear things like, oh, uh, Christians don't know science or don't understand since 90% of scientists throughout the dawn of man have always been theists and people of faith. The greatest thinkers of all times from Tesla to Einstein, believe it or not, even Charles Darwin and some of his writings, even though he was a, a junkie who thought he was a monkey, he believed that God was required in order for evolution to even work. So I don't know where atheists get this idea that theists don't know science or they disrespect it or dishonor it. No, we have a problem with the druid magic thing about you coming from slugs. Everything else is fine. <laughs> we like the iPods. We like medical devices. We're good. Hell, some of us even own MP3 players. We love us some science. Go ahead. I'd like to springboard off of that. So what Sidney doesn't understand is his view is actually irrational. It's infinite regress. That's a Hallman Lucas fallacy. It's fallacious thinking to believe that there's an infinite regress. So he would have to appeal to something that's infinite. And, and obviously we have um, logicians and we have all types of philosophers out there that have destroyed this idea of an infinite regress. It's called the Grim Reaper Paradox, Hilbert's Hotel. Infinites don't exist. They, they're they hypothetical. They're conceptual. Um, so they're not even real. So you have to... So what's, what's basically the, the, whole, the whole point of everything is there has to be something eternal. And it cannot be impersonal because if you go into ontology through the um, contingency argument the source of all ontology and contingency would have to be independent, absolute. It would have to be omnipotent. It would have to be omnipresent. And it would have to be om omni omniscient. So all those things are required for anything that is contingent in, in this world. We do see contingency. Even the universe is contingent. So he, 
he's actually uh, he has to fight, you know, through a lot of logical paradoxes and irrational thoughts. I just had to put that out there. There's another thing too, praise Veckel and uh, Mr. Donnie is this. Uh, I don't know how many of you respect or enjoy listening to William Lane Craig. I totally dig him. But the way he describes the universe and the singularity, to me, the Big Bang is a supernatural claim by definition. It's claiming that something existed out of the very laws of nature, which by definition is supernatural. And it fits perfectly with the attributes of what we describe as God. God living outside of nature, space, and time and existence like this. It explains all of his attributes, how he's able to do the things he can, and how he's able to access mankind the way he does. That's all I got to say on it. Amen. Yeah, well said there, Brett. I'm sorry, go ahead, Brett. Oh, no, I was just giving, it was a good job there, Brett. Well, here's the thing, and and, and Kent nailed it when he pointed out that, uh, you know, God, he's the great I am. He says, I am. Okay, he exists in eternity. He was not created. Here's the thing to understand time, right? We're stuck in time, and time is only meaningful if physical entities exist and events transpire during time. And like Kent put it, his analogy with with uh, two computers arguing with each other, right? Arguing about you know who who created the computers and is there anything outside of of, of the computer? If you're going to look to the computers as an explanation for the computer's existence, then, then you're never going to come to the true uh, explanation. So when it comes to God, there was no, you know, quote unquote, before God created. There was not even, quote unquote, nothing. There was God existing in eternity. He's the great I am. So these atheists that, that bring forth this, this silly question, uh, which kind of became famous through uh, Richard Dawkins type argumentation. It's just very unsophisticated in, in my uh, opinion. I think it was Hitchens that actually came up with it. And it's like a 15-year-old argument that's been beaten with clubs a hundred million times, but they never come up with their own new stuff. It's starting to get to a point where I don't even get to break a sweat anymore, and I don't feel mental stimulation when arguing with these folks. Same parroted <laughs> arguments. Yeah, that's the same thing over and over again now with evolution. ERVs, ERVs, you know, and then they get refuted on ERVs, and that's it. They're done. Like, like Wade the See, snail and, there. And, and, and that's, you know, that's the other thing that I keep bringing up all the time when, with regard to this whole uh, discussion and controversy is that this whole discussion only reveals uh, reveals one thing. Ultimately, uh, the other uh, arbitrary and futility of atheism, because with Christianity, with when we get into these discussions about evolution and the age of the earth and all this other stuff. At least when our per at least there is an, an ultimate purpose for it. It's because we're trying to glorify God and we want souls to get saved. We want people, we want Jesus and God uh vindicated so that people will uh establish a relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can inherit eternal life. But see, with the atheists, there's nothing after this world. You just die and poof, you you just cease to exist, and there's nothing else left. So all they're doing is wasting their time trying to look for Christians that they can debate on this issue. Because there's no, there's ultimately, it's ultimately futile and they don't yeah, realize. Even, yeah. So, even that eroded away too, because NDEs now they're showing like there's consciousness after death. Like it's pretty um, demonstrated now in scientific literature, hospitals, like it's all over the place. Like there's nothing, they, there's, there's just no traction they can, they, they have for their atheistic worldview that after you die, that just, just your brain dies and you're done. 
But see, they would love that because that means they're not accountable to yeah, a exactly. higher power. Yeah, exactly. See, and this is again, you know, going to the moral argument. This isn't one of the other reasons why they can't. Uh, you know, none, none of the arguments can stand under heavy scrutiny with regards to the issue of morality. So, I had a question for you, Brett, because uh, I want to clip out something I asked Doctor Hoven on a question about the pedophile and he, he answered it straight up. He didn't uh, waver. Like there was no um, deception or anything. And I, he's a true man of his word. And all these haters of Kent Hovind, they can eat it now from smoky side to everyone else. I think, uh, I think that was a great opportunity. I'm going to share that clip. Maybe you guys can share it around. It was awesome. Yeah. I've told everybody, anybody that wants to use any of uh, my videos, they're more than welcome to do that. The only rule I have is people not deliberately take things out of context or try to edit to make it say it's something that's not. As far as Smokey go and the pedophile question that you brought up, the people that he's talking about are more than willing to get on camera and talk and not hide behind some kind of smoky cloak crap and pretend as though we don't know who their name is. So that's the difference. If these people were lying, you would think they'd pull a Josh and try hiding, right? They're not. <laughs> yeah, speaking speaking of which, uh, Brett, I um, listened briefly to a, the conversation that you had with Will. Uh, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe a, a day or two ago. And uh, it so the one like, where I kind of cutely set him up a bit. Yeah, that was uh, amazing. Like, wow. He says, so what is so what does Josh got to do to uh, really set you off to get you upset? Uh, you know, what, where 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 do you draw the line or something like that? Oh, I missed it. I, I want to watch it now. What happened, Brett? It, with you and Will? Well, I basically uh, Will came in the room and praising me, decided to just kind of slow it down a little bit bring it down to his speed for Will. And we relaxed, and we just got all nonchalant and everything. And I was just like, so, uh, Will, what would it take for you to want to punish Josh if he does you wrong? And uh, Will's like, give him enough rope. He's ready to hang himself immediately. And he does. And I said, well, with that being said, Mr. Praise, I'm going to go have me a cigarette. And I just left him dangling. <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to go have one right now while you guys talk about that. <laughs> wow. So yeah. you're saying, so you got his guard or his defense down and then asked yeah, him a he, question he, straight up about Josh and he just nonchalant answered? Yeah, he basically said, uh, so what does Josh, uh, you know, got to do to, uh, you know, to, uh, well, how did how did he word it? To cross to, you or to, something to like cross that. you, right? Yeah. And then uh, Will just responded by saying, "Well, you know, if he does cross me, if Josh does cross me, or something like that." But he didn't uh, stop and think about what he said because right. he, he didn't because it's supposed to be talking about Smokey. Yeah, yeah. Josh. So if Will, if Josh and Smokey are not the same, why is Will uh, answering that question that Brett just asked? if Josh and Smokey are not the same person, you know? <laughs> oh, so, caught red handed. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all over the place, man. Uh, I, Bob's got it on his channel. Um, you know, obviously it's here. I think, uh, Oh, uh, thick shades played a clip of it on his channel as well. Wow. And, uh, yeah, man. So it's, I, out you know, it, it's almost flabbergasting that there could be anybody out there who, who hasn't put two and two together. And not to mention the fact that it looks like, uh, Smokey Saints channel there is is pretty well just Will's channel and Smokey apparently has like two side channels that it, if, if you click them there, there's zero content there and it kind of looks like he's just been forced into early retirement now 
Like he's just kind of trying to save face or something. I don't know what's going on. We'll see. His sycophants will pray him back in. So, you think he'll be back? I don't think he'll be back. He's going to be in proxy through Will, his mouthpiece. But basically, that'll be it. I don't think we'll hear Smokey. Maybe once in a while, he'll come on and talk with Will and do their BS show. And it's always disrespectful. It's just bad language, foul language. Oh, like if you, you would expect a Christian show to have more conduct than that, and they never do. It's disgusting. Not to mention blaspheming our Lord and Savior. I mean, a, yeah. a Christian? Yep. Or even before I was saved, I didn't use the Lord's name in vain. You know, when I was a Catholic, I just knew that was wrong. And, you know, these so-called saved Christians just um, blaspheming our Lord and, and using his name in vain in these live shows, it's it's really, really off-putting. Yeah, and Smokey just cackles and laughs. Like, to me, why would you laugh? Yeah. At yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Back, I'll do that again. <laughs> that was so good. That is awesome. One more time, Michael. Yes, awesome. yes. One more time. <laughs> You think he's related to Kamala? Who said that? You got to clip that out and make that a. That was Phoenix, me. We think he's related to Kamala. <laughs> oh man, that'd be funny. That oh, was so awesome, back, You missed it, Brett. Oh my gosh, it was so. What awesome. happened? What happened? What happened? <laughs> what yeah, evil was spawned while I was away? You know, oh wait a second! Looks yeah. like Uncle Sam. Beckel imitated Smokey. Going downhill, uh, Brett. You know it's probably going to be flag shut. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Beckel <laughs> just gave like the world's greatest uh, sloppy sane impression. Well, let's hear it. I want to hear it. Hey, by the way, Brett, I sent you an email. Uh, the guy in the chat is not an another love letter, is it, sir? The guy I'm in the kidding, chat. I'm kidding that you didn't laugh. Okay. Can All right, me? let me check. Which email did you send? Oh, the, I said that the guy in the uh, in the chat is an impersonator. That's not me. Oh, all right. So yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Unclean Sam in the chat's not you? <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> Unclean Sam. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that name in a long time. Right? It, it's it's, well, it's, it's uh, if you don't obviously you don't Unclean Sam is uh, is obviously trying to play. I mean, I could I could look over that, but the guy is. I bet that's Ryan clearly uh, impersonating. I think that's Bob. I think he's screwing with y'all seriously. Yeah, whatever it is, that's not me. So oh, I've seen that unclean. So scene. I recommend you to actually kind of remove that kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of crap, man. I think just... he might just be playing with you. That's not very nice, Bond. <laughs> 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 There you yeah. go. There you go. So, Donnie, when are you going to let me do an interview with you? Let's do it, bro. Let's set it up. Uh, let's do uh, next week sometime. I think it'll be fun. Well, do me a favor. Email a day and time that's good for you. That way I, I know for sure you're not going to be busy and you're going to be totally chill. 
Let's do it. I'm looking forward to it, man. You're putting on some good shows here, so I'll give we you. We already a have interview. a date, Brad, because we got to do this. Evolution. Just kidding. I want to get. I want to get SOT for an evolution thing too. Yeah, yeah. Praise. We got to come on. Maybe even me and Matt and just demolish the very best so-called argument for fish to fisherman evolution. Praise. I hear yeah. you're uh, you're dismantling the these evos in the old clubhouse. Yeah, and they brought up ERVs because I said they're functional, and this dingbat told me that no, there was something that debunked. So that's what I, w- I want you to hear this because it might even help you, um, equip you to even make better arguments, you know, like uh, for your arsenal, make it better for your arsenal of attack, you know? Yeah, no, I like that. Well, especially because I'm working on a book right now, it's coming along nicely. So I want to leave no stone unturned, right? So if there is an argument, in favor of ERVs, then I want to hear it. I want to make sure I'm I'm addressing everything. So, hey, what's and then what's I'm going to forward it to them. What's what's an ERV? Endogenous ER- retrovirus. What what they say, basically, Veckel, is <clears throat> we've got these shared viral infections between humans and chimpanzees that they say we've inherited over the course of you know millions of years a common ancestor between humans and chimpanzees got infected with a retrovirus and the retrovirus was passed on and uh you know eventually there was a human and chimpanzee split humans went one way chimpanzees went another and the reason why we have these shared what they call erv sequences is because you know, common descent evolution. So that's, you know, that uh, that's yes, their big argument they're, they're using these days. That's kind of to, to break it down in, in basic form. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I, I've, okay. I remember somebody explaining this to me years ago. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. Sounds familiar. Isn't yeah, the, uh, isn't the idea though, Donnie, that we can get sick from all kinds of different animals. Hell we can get, rabies from them we can get what was that mad cow bird flu all kinds of crap how does that prove that we come from strawberries though exactly (laughs) related to strawberries well they'll say because we share so many of these sequences these irv sequences they're called then it's it's too it would be too much of a coincidence it would be very unlikely that that we inherited them independently but Here's the thing about about these sequences is they resemble what's called exogenous retroviruses and exogenous retrovirus would be like HIV, right? You can get HIV and infects you and then you can pass it on from person to person horizontally, but you can't pass it on vertically. So someone with HIV can't pass it on to their kids. It doesn't get passed on vertically. But the theory goes if one of these types of viruses, again, they're called exogenous retroviruses, if they infect a germ cell line, like a reproductive cell, uh, and then through sperm and egg and, and zygote, it's passed on to the offspring, the offspring is going to have that viral DNA in all of its cells. It'll be passed on over time, as the, as the theory goes. And, and apparently there, there's too many spots, according to the evolutionists in the human and chimpanzee genome, where we have these genomic quote-unquote fossils for uh, you know the creation model to explain. But here's the thing I'll say is these spots that they look to and call ERVs, Brett, they're actually necessary to sustain healthy life processes in the cell. For example, 
uh, one of these, you know, quote unquote ERVs. I don't even like calling them ERVs. I call them created units of DNA function. The evolution has got to name it first, right? So I guess we're stuck with it, which is a lot of the times the case, unfortunately. So without these sequences, actually, and they'll admit humans wouldn't exist as in they are essential for embryological development. And one of their functions is, this is what blows it out of the water. This is what destroys their arguments. One of the functions of these uh, elements, DNA elements, is to guess what? Fight off viral infection. So if, if an exogenous retrovirus infects your cell, you actually have these DNA elements that the evolutionist calls ERVs. You have these to perform what's called viral mimicry. So they mimic the invading virus to kind of lower its defenses and then they kill it. So the reason why they look a bit like extant viruses is because one of their jobs is to actually destroy them. So here, here's the answer. The reason why we share these types of elements with the humans and, and humans and chimpanzees is because they're there for functional purposes. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that that they were actually the ancient remnants of past viral infections. No, they're, they're created that way. So if they're created that way, then the reason why we share them with the chimpanzee is because of, of common design. You know, it, it's, it's more of a technical argument. I hope that made sense. But no, it uh, it, it's easily like, refuted. Is it a part of, uh, I mean, the way you describe it, it sounds like it's a mechanism of the immune system. Yes, yes. And I've got, I've got dozens of papers that, um, for one, I've got cited in the book I'm writing on it, but when I debate these guys, like I just debated snake was right on it. He's in cell biology. So he knows a thing or two about it. And, and I, uh, shared screen. I said, how do you explain these technical papers from your own literature, the secular literature, admitting that without these ERV sequences, we pretty much wouldn't have an immune system. They function in the immune system. They function in embryological development. They literally help to determine cell types. And you're telling me that these are the result of ancient viral infections millions of years ago? No, no. If, if viral DNA is injected into your cell, Brett, okay, what that's going to do is disrupt genetic functionality. It's not going to create novel functions. It's not going to make things better. Okay. And, and they have no answer essentially for these uh, functional roles. So, you know, it, it's their number one, you know, best line of evidence for evolution. So that's why I spend a lot of time on it because I like to dismantle their, what they think is, is the best lines of evidence for common descent, but no, it, it's trash. It's easily debunked. So. See, this is so odd whenever you, uh, the way you describe that. And even whenever you get down to the very basics of the concept of evolution, it doesn't even seem like evolution itself helps out the atheists whatsoever because even Darwin, he believed that it was, uh, that it required the higher power, the intelligence to do it because there's so many mechanisms and things uh, going on uh, with purpose and logic and rationality to them. That's just simply not possible with an unguided process. No, it, it's not. It, what we see is evidence of forward thinking which, as, as, as Praise likes to use this argument too, points us back to a forward thinker. So if you have these DNA elements that they want to call ERV or ERV sequences that are actually there, okay, they're a defense mechanism. They're in our, it's, it's like your, your computer, okay? Here's a good analogy. Your computer has a Norton antivirus. You have the, the different antivirus programs where if you do get a virus, your antivirus uh, 
programs are, are going to stop that, prevent it from happening. That's literally what we have in, in our genome with these sequences that are designed with similar properties to these bad, bad viruses, but they need those properties. So if we do get infected with a bad virus, bam, they know what they're doing. It's their job to fight off these viruses. You, how do you evolve that? I mean, even evolutionists will, will point out that natural selection for one works in the short term. It doesn't Force work right, in the yeah. long term. It doesn't think, you know what? We're going to need functional DNA elements to fight off viruses. So we're going to evolve that. No, it's a selection doesn't have a mind, but these mechanisms point us to a mind. Does that make sense? Well, it's not just that. Uh, you brought up a good analogy with Norton. Norton has to already have the information and some of the data of the sequences used in these viruses in order to do what you refer to as mimic. It is able to spot it, identify it, and then it goes after it and destroys it. That's that's a damn machine right there. That's a design. Bam, you nailed it. Isn't that an amazing feature? Another amazing feature of these ERVs is they're involved in tumor suppression. So again, because of their viral-like properties, okay, they can actually... Um, function in a way where the immune system will, will fight off tumors and stop cancer, prevent cancer. I mean, there's, there's so many defense mechanisms, like, like you pointed out, Brett, that are fully integrated into the systems that make life life. And without them, I've got a technical paper, not a young earth creationist paper, a technical paper from the secular literature where they literally admit if we did not have these endogenous retroviral sequences, humans wouldn't exist. We require them for embryological development. They've done a genetic knockout tests in mice. Okay, it, it's you can't do it in humans. Obviously, it's uh, unethical. Thank God. But in mice, they snip it out. Okay, they knock out this this specific class of retrotransposon or ERV, and the mouse is developing nicely. They snip it out, it dies. It, it can't even fully develop without this sequence. And you're telling me that this came about through evolutionary processes? This is ev evidence for evolution? Give me a break. It's, it's, it's pseudoscience. That's rough. That is rough. So how far along are you on your book? You were saying that you're putting a book together. Good question. I, I would say my goal is to have it done in a month. So usually we have programs like every other day. Now I'm doing them like every three days because... I'm working about eh, six to eight hours a night on it. And I'm getting a lot of uh, behind the scenes help with some creation scientists who I highly respect. And we're just doing a lot of uh, kind of discussion behind the scenes. And um, it's, it's really good. So I'm hoping to have it done in a month. Edit it. So I would say, you know, within the next couple of months, I'd like to have it. It's a handbook. So, you know, it'll probably be about 100 pages. And um, I would say I'm about halfway done. Uh, so yeah, anyone's interested in it when it's, when it's out, heck, I'll send you a PDF. I don't care. I just want to put this one to bed is my goal. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm sick of it. Every single debate, you know, it, it's their number one line of evidence. So it's my goal to just have a handbook out there for all our brothers and sisters to pull up every time these guys bring up this argument. Have you, uh, had an opportunity to look into a guy by the name of Steven Meyer? Oh or yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's great. I've got his books behind me actually. Uh, the Return of the God Hypothesis is his newest one. Praise can tell you a lot about him. Yeah, he's fantastic. I love Steven, yeah. Boy, it would be cool if we could get him into a discussion, right? 
I would pay you, Brett. I'll give you money if you need some any t- <laughs> whatever financial help. I would love to get him on there. I would that would be so awesome. Ten thousand dollars right now, praise. There might be done. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know who uh, Dinesh is. He uh, argued with um, uh, Hitchens whenever he was alive and tore him up on communism and all that. But Dinesh has a YouTube channel, and apparently he got the opportunity to interview him recently. It's pretty good. You guys ought to check it out. The Street Barter. Yeah, he was on Chris Day's channel, too. I don't know how Chris Day got him, but he went to these lower channels. So you have a chance, Brett. Well, if I figure out some way, if there's some kind of contact information, you know me. Heck, just recently I'd called uh, Reasons to Believe. Remember, Praise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's other ones out there, though, You that are maybe not big as Stephen Meyer, but a little bit smaller game. Um, I'm trying to think of some really good ones out there. Dembski, uh, Casey, forgot his name now, but. Luskin, Casey Luskin, look up him. All right. Well, you guys need to send me a list of some of the cool people you look at and stuff. Looks like you guys already know most of the folks that I respect and now uh, get into. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This evolution crap is, uh, you. it kind of forces you to get into some of these really good uh, spokesmen for intelligent design and. And then there's really good creationists out there too that are, are just as fantastic as maybe even some of the ones like Stephen Meyer, like that Donnie's had on his channel SFT that he's interviewed. You should look at some of that too. Well, one guy I'd recommend, two guys actually. The most up to date book on human evolution is called Contested Bones. Okay, uh, write it down if you have to. I highly recommend it. The authors are Christopher Roop. And Dr. John Sanford. John Sanford's the genius who wrote Genetic Entropy and recently spoke at the NIH regarding human degeneration. And uh, the main author of that book, though, Christopher Roop, he's got a degree in biology and he's currently uh, finishing his dissertation in geology. So he's kind of a jack of all trades. He'll have degrees in um, geology and biology, and he's published papers on uh, genetic entropy. And uh, that's genetics. So he's got knowledge there. But I've been chatting with him for pretty well hours a day on these. He's helping me with certain arguments with with the ERV handbook. But he's awesome. And his book, Contested Bones, gets into all the the most up-to-date arguments for human evolution, all the so-called hominids from Hobbit to Naledi to Sedaba to Habilis, you name it. And um, all Gutsy Gibbons' favorites. And so I highly recommend that one. And um, yeah, Steve, actually, that was, that's what I was going to ask. Praise. Uh, what were your thoughts of the Anthony Rogers show? It was pretty good, eh, brother? Oh, man, that was epic. What a show. Like, he's such a beast, dude. I learned so much from him. And like all these really hard questions, he made them look simple. Like, it was he was just knocking them off. <laughs> like, yeah. incredible, incredible. Anthony Rogers is uh, not one to uh, to be played with when with regards to uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, man. So uh, I'm going to watch that again. I only I was only able to watch snippets of it uh, at the time that you were airing, uh, but I'll definitely uh, watch it again. Yeah, Twitch. brother, he he is unreal, man. The amount of knowledge he has on some of these questions too, 
But for me, I mean, I'm not a Trinitarian. I'm a, I'm a Trinitarian, but that's not my expertise. And some of these questions, you know, I was thinking like, I wouldn't even know how to answer these. And he just, just killed it. I mean, he's a, he's an encyclopedia of information. Fantastic debater too, man. These oneness guys, they don't stand a chance against them. <laughs> it's unreal. No, they have, uh, what's his name? <laughs> the one that won this guy, Casey, or what? Oh, man, I forget his name. Turdville? Taylor Turdville, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Taylor Stewart's talking mad trash in the com. Bro, that video, if you go to the comment section, it's 90% oneness people. They're just so triggered. And using arguments. That we had like I just responded to a couple of them. I, I said, "Did you comment before you watched the video? Because your, your <laughs> comment is literally like I, identical to a question we addressed for twenty minutes. <laughs> like, what's going on here, guys?" Yeah, he's a uh, he, that that other guy you mentioned. That uh, what is his name? Standing or something like standing something for truth. for truth or something like he standing for facts remember that guy's name is Who? that um that unitarian guy uh oh, stand on scripture yes yeah, stand and stand on scripture that guy is such a <laughs> he's so, he gets so triggered on everything but all he does is over exaggerate things he misrepresents trinitarians even the arguments for god like you can't take him serious he's a a total militant anti, uh, basically, you know, deity of Christ and Trinitarian. He should change his name to stomping on scripture. That's what he <laughs> does. He just takes the plain reading of scripture and just stands on it and stomps all over it. <laughs> no, I do. Yeah. He, I had him on debating Matt Slick a few months back. Remember that one? That was a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you know i i really respect um anthony rogers kelly powers matt slick praise you vaco i mean you guys are all fantastic uh defenders of of the trinity so oh man i appreciate that yeah well i just give thanks to god i, I learned a lot but, you know i basically i think god has really guided me through a lot of these truths and uh it's pretty cool pretty awesome the trinity is awesome Amen, brother. There's so many important topics, and I love that we're digging deep on all of them, right? You know, um, ev creation, evolution, of course. This was ton, a ton of fun. Brett, I, I like what you do here. I think I'm going to do one a, a, sh a show similar to this style in the future. I'm going to call Kent. I like how uh, Kent comes on, and when it comes to questions, you you it's like a radio show. You bring the guys in, you know what I mean, and, and let them have their question, a little bit of back and forth. Uh, that keeps it fun. That keeps it interactive. Brett probably walked away to have a smoke, so I don't know if he's hearing me. But yeah, I, I, I love I, that format too. Format. Yeah, yeah. And and Kent's really good off the hook. Like he can go into a number of different topics. Yeah, yeah. He's always prepared with slides, books. <laughs> I can admit you can never catch him off guard. I really respect that. <laughs> He's just got like 800 books right right by him, eh? No matter what question you ask. Yeah, we got this book here and this book here. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's bad for these evolutionists right now in 2022. I mean, they got like, 
They got nothing really at this. Even their best dogs are just failing. Your Dan Cardinals, Herman Mays of the world. Herman Mays and Dan Cardinal did a video recently trying to refute Jensen's new book. Oh, man. What a disaster that was. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they're going to come out with another common ancestor coming up where they think they found the intermediate species that, you know, the transitional thing. Cause every, like almost like every three years, someone has to discover something. So I think it's coming out pretty soon. The new one is going to come out there. I'm back guys. Hopefully I didn't miss anything. Extremely awesome. I got a question for you all. I don't know if you've ever heard this question before. But if you were to find a, uh, let's say we went with the hypothetical of millions or billions of years. If you were to find a deformed fossil, how would you be able to tell the difference between it and supposedly a transitional fossil? Well, that's a fantastic question. And that is what the uh, major hypothesis is right now, at least with a lot of young Earth creations, myself especially, that a lot of the... Um, so-called transitional forms that, that they look to for human evolution. Um, specifically, you know, there's fluorescence. You, you got the fancy name. So like fluorescensis, which is just the hobbit. Okay. So they look to what's called the, the hobbit as, as a primitive human. Uh, Homo naledi, obviously the Australopithecines, Neanderthalensis erectus, so on and so forth. So it turns out that a lot of what they think is, is transitional, Brett these bones that they pick up and say, look at this, you know, they call it basal, okay, primitive or, or basal to the, the features we have today as modern humans. It turns out that these aren't actually primitive, they're not transitional, they're actually what you said, degenerate, evidence of pathology. And we actually know this for a fact, because a lot of these uh, so-called hominids, they existed in isolated small populations, and they were highly, highly inbred. Okay, so when you have an isolated population where you've only got a few thousand and they're all marrying within each other, really, really quickly, you're going to have these deleterious mutations come to the forefront. And what they'll do is they'll lead to rapid morphological degeneration, which means you're going to have these atypical features, these atypical bones. And uh, they can tell just by looking at them and examining them and, and seeing that, that they're oftentimes deformed. So they're not evidence for evolution. They're evidence of... Uh, human populations that are highly inbred and unfortunately degenerate. So they're not primitive, they're degenerated. Uh, does that make sense, uh, Brett? Yeah, you see this guy on the left in the image. There's a couple videos of him out there. Sadly, he's deformed and apparently his tribe, they pick on him and they call him the monkey man and all that. The guy on the left on the top, do you see? Right, oh yeah. Well, so I've never you, seen that before. Yeah, he's got a he's got uh, skull structures. Uh, I, I don't know what the word is, but it's basically pressured out. He uh, is in a lot of pain and all that because of the deformity. And uh, I mean, how would you be able to tell the difference? I, I just I just don't see how you would, especially if it's you know most fossils. A lot of people don't realize this, but they don't come together. They, they don't, don't just, no. they don't, usually they find a couple pieces and then they put it together and then they take some wood, sculpt some other crap along with it in order to get a representation of what they're trying to sell. Well, here's the thing. And, and that's such a brilliant point because 
um, a lot of these secular paleoanthropologists, and I've got quote after quote, they'll admit that when it just comes to a bone in the dirt, a fossil, especially without genetics, because a lot of these fossils come fragmented, like you said, isolated, bits and pieces. A lot, the Most of the fossil record is just bits and pieces of skulls and teeth. I mean, back in the day, they, they had what was called Nebraska Man. And it was all based on a single tooth and illustrations and textbooks would have Nebraska man, some half ape, half man standing next to his wife and kids. Wow. One single tooth. And they knew what this entire man's family looked like. It turned out years later, the tooth belonged to a pig. <laughs> <laughs> the famous Nebraska man fraud. So, you know, they do this all the time with these isolated bones. They build these wild stories and um, they'll admit, that oftentimes it's very, very difficult, almost impossible to tell the difference between what is, you know, in their mind, transitional or primitive and what is just um, the result of degeneration or pathology, because there's something called founder effects. That picture you showed, Brett, is sad. You know, that's that's um, it, it's a sad reality because when it comes to founder effects, you could have a small population. This is what happened, I would say, after Babel the Babel dispersal is you'd have these, these groups of, of humans that, that would uh, migrate, let's say to an Island. Okay. That's where you find the hobbits and you only have a few founding individuals there. Okay. And, and now they're, they're stuck on an Island. They're isolated. So after a few generations, they have these pathologies or they have these degenerative features, they become fixed in the population. So what that means is these features are now the norm of the population. So you have an entire population that has essentially experienced morphological degeneration. So that population of degenerative humans, they, they go extinct, they die out. Okay. You can only go so, so long like that. And then thousands of years later, these paleoanthropologists dig up the bones of these uh, humans. Right. And, and a lot of them, because they've got the ape to man story as a starting point, they say, look, you know, this is our primitive ancestor. When in fact it's a, subpopulation of humans that went into uh, degeneration. It's the opposite of evolution. And again, the last thing I'll say is a lot of them have admitted this. This is very difficult for us to tell what is transitional and what is just the result of, of degeneration. So, what so Brett, I, I know this is in, uh, not politically correct to say nowadays, but dwarves and midgets. How do you, how would you be able to tell the difference between something like that of a long, long time ago, finding some fossil pieces of this? Well, exactly. If you look at the, the famous, you, you can Google it, hobbit species, their fancy term, the, the, the fancy name for them is Homo floresiensis because they were found on the island of Flores. <laughs> and on that island, you even find pygmy elephants, dwarfed elephants. And they're trying to say that this is an irrefutable example of human evolution. It's like this is an example of what's called island dwarfism. You have a population of humans get stuck on an island, and what eventually happens due to lack of food, lack of resources, is natural selection will actually act on the brain because the brain is the most energy is very energetically costly. Okay, requires a lot of uh, a lot of food nutrients to thrive. So over time, the brain shrinks. You'll see a lot of these evolutionists like Aaron Ra, Gutsik Gibbon, Bill Ludlow. They'll line up, you know, so-called examples of human evolution from smaller brain to bigger brain. I'm sure you've all seen it. When in fact, the smaller brain is not demonstrating human evolution. It's demonstrating a dwarfed population that's been isolated on an island. And over time, 
the, the feature of smaller brain sizes become fixed because now guess what? That human group does not require as much food, as much resources, because now their, their brain is, is shorter. It, it's actually what's called in the, in the scientific literature, reductive evolution, reductive evolution. That doesn't explain the evolution of higher life forms. This is reduction of pre-existing systems and features. That's not evidence for evolution, evolutionists. <laughs> uh, Donnie, I posted something in private chat for you if you're interested. Uh, I have seen that some atheists have actually tried to use the bones of these things as an argument for evolution, but they're actually elongated skulls of dwarves. And a lot of these dwarves ended up having elongated because they used to do what some of the tribes in Africa did where they put these tight bandages around the back of their skull for whatever reason. I, I don't remember the ritual, but it caused the back of their skull to stretch out. I've been noticing non-believers trying to use that, thinking that they're going to pull a fast one. Hey, Brett, have you heard of Otabanga? That's a big word right there, praise. Work with me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Otabanga, uh, uh, praise. Explain that uh, whole situation. That's a, a prime example of uh, what results from the evolutionary worldview. Go yeah. ahead. So there, there was a, I, I think it was out there like some, somewhere near, maybe like Florence, I'm Florence, that island, but I know it was a, an island type of uh, tribe of people that there was a person called Otabanga. He was a smaller black guy, like a real short midget type of black guy. And they thought they put him in a zoo because they thought he was an intermediate species of human and ape. So they treated him as an animal and they put, they put chains around his neck and they, they were walking him around like an animal. So this is what we get with evolution. This it's extreme racism and uh i mean eugenics and everything else that goes along with it it's it's an to me an evil ideology that's the devil of course had his hand in and trying to buffalo people and hoodwink people to, to believe this false um ideology that's where a lot of these atheist dictators got their views from darwinism caused them to believe that there were such things as superior races and such yeah let me, let me put up a nice one for you guys yeah yeah here we go yeah yeah but apparently you know it's christianity and creation that's uh dangerous but in fact look at that <laughs> amazing yeah. I, an atheist seemed blown away because the only resource they have is George Carlin claiming that religion's dangerous. But according to history, atheists have killed more people than all of the religions combined, including Islam. I know people are going to be like, what? Even Islam? Yeah. They had the highest suicide rate, the highest substance abuse rate, which I think correlates with the suicide problem. Here, I'll uh, throw this up right here. You guys didn't see that. I can throw you guys the stats up if you ever want to use it in the discussion or if you already have it. Well, religion is dangerous. It's their religion that's dangerous. It's atheism can be very religious and become part of a state religion. It's, it becomes their god, atheism, and uh, it, it destroys anyone that comes in their way. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's been the biggest blot on humanity since the... Uh, you know the the golden what is it they're the um the soviet union the cold the cold war yeah 
And that's what we're seeing today is the result of God being removed from a nation, God being removed from, from schools. I mean, we just see the descent in, in the depravity of, of these nations now. And, and where we're heading is, you know, it can be scary, but it's a prime example of, of what happens when, um, you, you try to suppress God, suppress his morals. And I mean, some of the stuff that, that you see going on right now is just unbelievable. I mean, you know, my, my parents or grandparents, you know, if they were told what the future is going to be like in, the, in these countries, me in Canada, you guys in the States, they wouldn't believe it. They literally wouldn't believe it. No. Oh, I got something for you, Praise and Donnie, that you like. Uh, Kent, he really likes us. I found this cute little clip with uh, uh, Richard Dawkins. Uh, you may want to put this in your intro. You ready for this standing? Let's do it, brother. Here we go. Genes are information. They are coded information. It even looks like computer information. I mean, a, a, a chromosome is, is a great long computer tape. It's linear. It runs one-dimensional one digital code. Um, it's not binary, it's quaternary, but apart from that, it's, it's just the same as, as computer tape. It's, it's read in, in sequence, um, it's copied and pasted from one part of the organism to another in just the same way as, as a computer programmer would cop copy and paste. Um, so biology has turned into, into computer science. Copied and pasted from one part of the organism to another in just the same way as as a computer programmer would cop copy and paste, as a computer programmer would cop copy and paste. I love that. That was really good. Yeah, that is amazing right there. And that's why people like Godless Engineer, the most militant atheists out there, they're not even taken seriously. You know, for one, these guys are Jesus mythicists. And secondly, they deny that DNA is a code. Now, Richard Dawkins, he's not dumb enough to, to deny the fact that, that DNA is a code. He's just going to say that natural selection has uh, essentially designed the code. But <laughs> where there's a code, there's a coder. And what's so funny is these set of instructions, because uh, Dawkins was pointing out that we have um, this linear array of letters. Well, now we actually know that these set of instructions, I guess you could say in the genome, they're dynamic, self-regulating, but listen to this. They are nested and multi-dimensional, as in the way that they change shape and fold in time <laughs> that actually determines their, their functional roles is amazing. Okay, we write books, right? And uh, we write books that can be read forwards. DNA literally reads forwards and backwards. And if you read every other letter, you get another message. So you have three different messages in one string of, of letters of, of nucleotides. I mean, this is information compression into every single DNA letter of code. And this apparently came about naturally for no reason at all. I mean, this stuff is mind-boggling. It's science fiction. And you've even got Dawkins admitting to it. It's crazy. we got somebody out here called Justin Nobody. He says, Brett, you have a big collection of good quotes and clips and all that. Yeah, 
before I became a Christian, I was an atheist for a long time. I used to watch these guys and listen to them, and they got themselves into so many hooks and deadlocks whenever it came to evolution. I just uh, I couldn't hold on to that view anymore. I was just like, no, nah, there's something wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. I mean, how do these evolutionists like Richard Dawkins just says that, right? But then he denies a designer. How do they explain? I want to see. I don't want to see a story. I want to see empirical evidence as to how their praised evolutionary mechanisms of selection, mutations, can build the four-dimensional genome with multiple overlapping codes and chock full of information. How did that come about? How do you not praise and, and follow... And fall on your knees and, and worship the creator when you look at, at the DNA language. It's unbelievable. Yep. And I agree. Oh, natural selection did it. That's their god of the gaps. Natural selection did it. Oh, oh, thanks a lot for not answering the, the question. <laughs> well, how do you know it's not Zeus, SFT? How do you know it's not the spaghetti monster? Here, 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 derp, derp. Well, there's the other answer. This is the answer I hear a lot, Donnie. I've heard it from atheists a hundred times. But if it wouldn't have done it and gave them the special abilities, they would have just died. It's like, yeah, Captain <laughs> Obvious. How about that? And if uh, it would be very advantageous for me to grow bat wings so I can save on gas too, but you don't see me evolving any anytime soon. Well, and that's why I'll never be on board with this theistic evolution garbage. Evolution is a religion of death. I've heard these uh, theistic evolutionists try and say, you know, the evolutionary process of pawn scum to people is, you know, God's beautiful way of, of bringing forth man. It's like, what? Billions of years of death, disease, cancer, survival of the fittest is the way God chose to, to bring that about man? Like what? <laughs> That, that, yeah. that, that they make God sound like he's constant, like continuously making mistakes and trying to fix it, and until he finally got to where he wanted. He's like, oh, okay, yes, right. It's that, billions of years of mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billions of years of mistakes until he finally got it right. You know, and and I love the uh, the audacity by some of these atheists to say, well, if God is the creator, what what. I'm on the phone. I'm talking to people. Uh, <laughs> hold on one second. Uh, I got to change the, the newspaper at the bottom of her cage. Be right back. <laughs> oh, boy. 99% <laughs> of species in the history of the earth have gone extinct and have suffered in order to bring about man is, is the beautiful process that God chose, according to the theistic evolutionists. Unreal. You know, it seems to me, Donnie, when you look at it, um, and I've said this quite a few times, I believe that atheism leads to uh, indirectly straight into nihilism. There's just no way of getting around it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it, the, the ripple effect of, of atheism is, is so many different horrible things that we've experienced. I mean, socialism, communism, Nazism, Darwinism, you know, uh, eugenics and uh it's it's just a sad state of affairs and, and you see that always the same talking point like that sydney guy earlier just like such childish childish questions 
like, listen, Sydney, either God is eternal, the uncaused first cause who exists in eternity, or the universe is eternal. But wait a minute, Sydney. We've got the first and second law of thermodynamics. The, the first law is matter and energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Okay, wait a minute. But the second law of thermodynamics is the law of increasing entropy. Okay, so, so that means if you take this point of increasing entropy in the universe back to a point of least increasing entropy. Okay, well, that means if things are winding down, they can't wind down forever. You, you get to a point of least increasing entropy. And you know what that means? That's a point where matter and energy can neither be created nor destroyed according to the first law. That means matter and energy had to come forth or be created by an outside agent. That's the only way to explain it because the universe cannot be eternal because the second law destroys that. That's it. So Sydney's going to have to then say that the universe is eternal. But that's contrary to all known scientific laws. Is this the real Nephilim free or a stock account of somebody? It's me. How you guys hey, doing? Nephilim, you're always hey, welcome. Good to room. hear from you, Neph. Good to hear from you, so yeah, yeah. Don't know good. why it took you so long. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, Neph. Hope you're well, man. Thank you. Likewise. Neph is the evolution destroyer, uh, Brad, as you probably know. This guy oh, yeah. is a legend. I've been in his rooms in the past. I've seen him tear atheists from limb to limb, and they weren't evolving their lizard tails back afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, Neff, you've been listening on the topic with some of your views and points. Obviously, you got some. Well, you guys were talking about evolution, and I'll just point out the evolutionists play this little uh, little card swap game, a shell game, really, you might say, with evolution. They'll point to morphological change that we observe take place in creatures, whereby creatures produce varieties of themselves, and they'll they'll uh, they're, they're swapping that out with anatomical change. They're trying to equate the two. See, uh, to get. The land-dwelling creature, for example, use the classic example, to get the land-dwelling creature with legs, lungs, digits, tendons, muscles, nerves that didn't exist in the fish, you can't, you, you can't just change the shape of the creature, the form and structure. You've got to have anatomical change, right? And so evolutionists play this shell swap game where they swap morphological change with uh, with uh, anatomical change and say see evolution happening see because organisms can produce varieties of themselves and there can be differences in shape form and structure like the difference in the side the shape of the skull of a chihuahua is different from that of a collie and they'll say look you know they'll use a different kind of animal not dogs but say look evolution happening and that's that's um it's it's a mistake, and but it goes over the head of most people. Don't catch it, and they think, "Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, that's evolution happening, all right." But it's not because there's no anatomical difference between a chihuahua and a collie. You see, that's not anatomical change. See, but evolutionists play that game all the time, and they beguile people because they'll point to the fact that organisms can change. Yes, that's true. And they'll they'll say, well, there you go. See, evolution is happening. And that's that's a mistake. It's not it's that's not true. That's not sufficient evidence of evolution. Doesn't actually support the evolution theory. I mean, by itself it would happen, but there would be morphological change if evolution were true. But by itself it's insufficient. You have to have anatomical change for evolution to be true. And so that, that's a shell game that evolutionists play. 
Amen. Amen. I got, I got to point something out. I love when Neff and in one debate that comes to <laughs> comes to mind was uh, I moderated, I think three years ago now, me and Ron Matt moderated at that time was the debate of the year. We rated uh, Neff versus Jackson wheat and RJ downer. Those guys, <laughs> no. th- those guys are, are so like, have you noticed how they've just, both those guys have completely fallen off. Like those guys have been forced into early retirement. They, they got they so the upset in that debate that they were literally screaming at me, screaming at you, <laughs> interrupting you. Every other word inter- just got <laughs> annihilated. And I love watching you Neff, ask for examples of the type of novel change that would be required, right? The type of meaningful change that would be required to take a fish to fishermen, essentially. And all they give is morphological change after morphological change after morphological change. And you point out that is not the type of change that's necessary to take your bacteria-like organism into a biologist. You need true anatomical changes. And you point that out perfectly, Neff. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah, those guys, man, they were livid. They were absolutely blowing their caps. I mean, they were screaming bloody murder and <laughs> bleeding, and their brain was on fire, man. It was just crazy. Hey, wait, which debate was this? I want to see it now. Oh, it, it was, was so it was on Standing for Truth channel. Uh, he, it was me against two very outspoken evolutionists at the same time. It was me against two. Okay. It was from three years ago now. Three years, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put it in the side chat for you there. Um, uh, Beckel. Here, I, I just found it actually. Yeah. Yeah. That was a wild one for sure. We've had some good times, man, over the last few years. Yeah, we have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go, Beckel. Yeah. Yeah. Save that for later, man. We have, oh, the last three years, we have really, really, I think, as, as a group in, in, have cornered these evolutionists. Most of them now are, are shy away from debates. I mean, they're, they're sick of being decimated, eh, now? Yeah, that's true. You've done an amazing job, Donnie, of, uh, you know, uh, of getting a, a, an audience and getting the truth out to people. You have guests on your shows that, uh, you know, um, or uh, academics and uh, get get some real science, not the pseudoscience, but get some real science out there. And uh, you've done a great job of, of, of turning your channel into a place for people to watch, man. And I, content, I, I commend you for that. It's uh, you've done a good job of it. Man. I appreciate it, brother. You've been a huge help, huge encouragement, and uh, motivation. I, I got to find you some evolutionists too. I've had you on dozens of times, but it's it's been a few months now, so I I, I miss watching you in, in action, Neff. So we got to get you another debate, brother. That sounds good. I like that. Oh yeah, you know the dinosaurs, like with the paintings of the dinosaurs and stuff. Uh, Neff, I mean, I learned so much. I couldn't believe it. There's a lot of evidence out there for dinosaurs back, you know, a couple thousands of years ago. So that's pretty awesome, in fact. Yeah, the evidence that man walked with dinosaurs is actually quite strong. It's it's very strong, actually, if you ask me. It's irrational that, that all the various tribes of mankind would invent these creatures that just happened to have lived in the past. You know, and I'll talk about having encountered them, you know, and, and being able to paint them and draw them. Uh, you know, that, that, there's got to be something to that. It can't be. It's not logical that all these various tribes of mankind invented the same kinds of creatures all over the place independently of each other. 
it just doesn't make sense. No. And, but they'll make these excuses. Well, no, that was just uh, someone painting a sky god. And they try to, like, re-explain what, what was drawn. Like, you can see a huge tail, a huge long tail on this, you know, dinosaur-looking image. And they'll try to say, no, that's just some other god image or some yeah. other tribal thing. It's disgusting how they try to manipulate and try to change the data. Yeah. It is. I, I made a little slide presentation based on that. Uh, there's a, a Native American piece of Native American art where they drew a, what's obviously a, a sauropod dinosaur, giant sauropod. And uh, so I, I, I did something to demonstrate the atheist denial. I drew a little, I, I used that image, I superimposed it and made a little cartoon out of it. And I call him Freddy the Dinosaur. And I have him standing in, you know, with the grassy knolls behind him. And, and so here's Freddy the dinosaur, right? And then I used it so that I superimposed it right over the rock where the Native Americans had drawn Freddy the dinosaur, you know. And I said, oh, so let's superimpose Freddy the dinosaur on a rock. Well, now we have Freddy the dinosaur on a rock. Everybody can see that's obviously a giant sauropod dinosaur. And so, hey, let's do something interesting. Let's remove the superimposed Freddy the dinosaur and see what the Native Americans drew. And it's exactly the same shape, right? And, they, and when I did that, the, the, the evolutionist atheists that I was chatting with just blew up. They just got so upset. They were going, they just went ape on me. Because it was so obvious that their denial that, oh, that doesn't look like a sauropod dinosaur. That could have been something else. was just ridiculous, right? It was just sheer denial. And that's why I made that little slide presentation because it demonstrated that they're just obviously in denial of something. And, and when I've shown it to them, they just get very upset because I'm exposing their denial. Yeah. We got somebody out here asking me about my pet raccoons, possum, and my uh, cats. We have 20 stray cats that we take care of. And we got a paralyzed raccoon. It's got its ass in paralyzed. Apparently, it's not evolving its back legs back. Very sad, but it does oh, enjoy man. cat food, so we're good. Oh, wow. I feel sorry for that poor animal. As long it's, as you uh, keep them out of your attic. You know, good, it's good, good for you. <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's that's a good, a kind thing you're doing to take care of that poor little animal like that. I admire you for that. Yeah, yeah. We get a, we live way out in the woods. We live really, really deep out in the woods to the point where even Jason Voorhees wouldn't want to visit. It's that frightening. But uh, yeah, we get a lot of animals. Be careful. Prey's might be uh, wandering around stray in your neighborhood. You have to pick him up. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. <laughs> Well, you guys like the woods? Are you guys country folk? Good. good I'm good. country folk, yeah. Man. I mean, Neff, you sound good, dude. I thought, like, you know, we were wondering what happened to you and hope that your health was good, but you sound good, man. Oh, uh, why? Well, did you think something was wrong with me? I mean, yeah, like, well, we were wondering about your health and stuff. Like, if you went, if you're having some health problems, which, you know, but. You sound good. That's good to hear. Thank God for uh, that. Okay. I, I, I guess I'm all right. I appreciate that. Well, you've been around for a while. We might have thought you evolved the lizard tail or something. Couldn't move <laughs> around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, um, you know, um, I just kind of dropped off the scene doing live streams. Uh, I, I kind of uh, just stopped doing it for a while there. And, uh, so that's all. I, I, I debate in Discord a lot. Uh, Discord is a chat application, a free chat app. 
And I debate atheists and evolutionists and Calvinists there, and Catholics too. Well, I tried doing the Discord thing. That's some rough grounds right there now. Oof. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sorry I don't recognize your voice, but the Amazon music thing is hiding your name. Oh, well, that's me. See? Oh, is that <laughs> you? Just okay. Well, who was uh, who was talking? Um, it's the one with the hand. Nephilim oh, free. that's oh, Nephilim free. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I I now that I see your name, sorry. I just... Yeah, I always try to make sure my guests are the ones that are seen and all that. I'm not one of these narcissists out here on YouTube. Yeah, I was. Oh, uh, when are you gonna uh, record some uh, tracks for me or something so I can use some intros for my uh, show? Look at you with your guitar back there, just teasing oh. me. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if you want those intros. Um. Yeah, we need a guitar off with Bruce and uh, Irene, both of those. But that'd be awesome to watch I them. I, <laughs> uh, I think Bruce Bruce is actually a musician. I'm not really. I just I'm still practicing, man. I I, I have a few songs I can play, but yeah. Anyways, I'm not very good. <laughs> I, I'm I'm you know campfire guitarist. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that's cool. That's my scene. <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, looking for some chilling originals. Just chilling originals. Are you grooving it there on <laughs> 1970s speak? Groovy? Isn't that groovy? Groovy, man. <laughs> Feeling groovy. That's hip. They had better... Well, they had good music in the 70s. I like that. Feeling groovy. Yeah, there was a lot of good music in the seventies, definitely. I like eighties music bit better myself, but eighties, yeah, seventies yeah. was good though. Oh, I wanted to say something about dinosaurs. So there's these more of like you call them new age Christian liberal Christians. They'll say that in the Book of Job. The tail that's mentioned in Job, that's tail long as a cedar, they say now that's a penis of a hippopotamus. Yeah, that's a damn big penis there, Price. Oh, that's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, this is where they're going to now because of the outright, like, it's so apparent that's a dinosaur in Job. Like, it shows you there's a creator, it's not evolution. It's just being hyperbolic about the hippo or whatever. It's an absurdity to say such a thing. I, I, I've seen uh, a, a atheist academics claim that the, the Bible is talking about a hippo. Or, in fact, there was a, a Christian who did so. I, I think it was uh, who's the guy? I've forgotten his name uh, from Brown University. Claimed if uh, chromosome two fusion was not true, then evolution is not true. Then got his hat handed to him by discoveries about that. Oh shoot! Uh, Catholic. He's a Catholic. What's his name? He talked about oh, wow. me in an R and Raw video. R and Raw got him to get be a guest on his show, allegedly refute the statements that I made in when I refuted R and Raw about something. He got a couple of atheist academic I mean uh, evolutionist academics eggheads together to talk about me and try to put down my arguments. What was his name? Uh, Dennis Lamaru? No, he's from Brown University. He's a university professor. Oh, there. 
Yes, I know you're talking about. I can't. I'm just. I don't know, man. I'm not all there today or something. Can't slow today. Can't remember his name. Crap. Well, Donnie, are you there? You ought to know who it is. What's his name? Donnie's taking a, a hiatus, I guess. I told you my voice is the cure for insomnia. It happens. He probably fell over over there. Speaking of Aaron <laughs> Raw and his lack of understanding in science, have you guys seen the uh, clip I put together for old Aaron Raw? He hates it. Have you guys seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it. All right, so watch what he claims about the universe. And to be add extra salt to the wound, I used atheist scientists to beat up Aaron Raw. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Here we go. But again, we didn't come from nothing, and no scientist believes that we ever came from absolutely nothing. The Big Bang is not something from nothing. Even when cosmologists talk about a universe from essentially nothing, they don't mean an absolute philosophical nothing. In fact, they don't think that an absolute nothing is even possible, because every time they try to create a perfect vacuum, they notice the quantum fluctuations of subatomic particles popping in and out of existence where there shouldn't be anything. Yeah. As the idea that there could be literally nothing which then from which something suddenly springs and it, I mean it is very hard to grasp it and and I certainly can't grasp it but something from nothing from literally nothing and that's what really gets people that's the one that's really counter to common sense and, and, and they clearly misunderstand what you mean by nothing so and, and it, well exactly it start with absolutely nothing that means unlike the cardinal said and unlike some people argue no particles but not even empty space. No space whatsoever. No space whatsoever. And maybe even no laws governing that space. And, and maybe even no laws governing that space. And what did you say? Well, then who did create? <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. It's Ken Miller, Neff. That's the guy's name. Yes, Ken Miller. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that's funny. A bunch of people have ridiculed... Uh, 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 Krauss, uh, for his ridiculous something, nothing actually means something, garbage. It's the most ridiculous trash you ever heard. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Bill Craig and him, you know, he did that Australian tour thing. That was, I think that was, uh, Bill Craig probably just exposed that for what it was. I mean, it's clearly, it's like, nothing. No, we're talking about nothing, not something. <laughs> oh, Mr. Tony Sayers is here. Tony, you said that you wanted to bring up something with me. Uh, this is going to be Arenic's favorite uh, thing to talk about here. Go ahead, Tony. What's your question or what were you going to tell me? No, no, I, I, I'm not here to debate. I just wanted to share... Uh, no, no, I, no, no. Uh, I, I didn't, wasn't planning on doing a debate, but we, you brought up something having to do with a, a segment in one of my videos, and I think it'd be a great discussion. No, nobody's going to yell at you or scream at you. You know I love you, brother, but go ahead, bring it up. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, um, I, I like what you said. You know, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from in what you said in the video. Uh, well, what, the point I was trying to make basically is, uh, number one, first and foremost, uh, I personally believe every individual is different. You know, we all do things for different reasons. You know, John, I Bill, agree with you. 
Yeah. Sure. We're all unique <laughs> in our own way. Tony, yeah. let me try to put it to you this way so we can kind of get the ball rolling a little bit faster. That way we can cut right through the cheese. What is the yeah. difference between an other Ken, a person who believes that they're an animal, over that of a transgender? Go ahead. See, I told you, Renick, you're going to love it. Well, I guess it depends on who you ask again, right? Like you're asking me, so. Like what is the difference opinion? between someone who's yeah. convinced that there's some form of animal, that they actually are an animal, not an evolved animal, yeah. but an animal, over that as someone who believes that they're of a different gender? Go ahead. Well, I think the main difference is that one believes they're an animal <laughs> and the other one believes that they're uh, either a man or a woman. Um, I guess that's my understanding, right? Um, so what's the difference? Uh, good question. I mean, I like like you're, you're well, it, Brad. If you don't know the difference between an animal and a man and a woman, uh, <laughs> oh, you're hating. You're hating. the The point I was trying to make in my clip was: there's people out there who have unusual thoughts and they decide to identify themselves based upon what they'd like as opposed to the actual facts or science. Now, Tony right, says right. he's got something to offer to bring to the table that might bring some validity to it. And as Tony knows, I love him and I'm always open-minded to hear new things. Well, for me, there's no justifying, like, like, if, like tomorrow I say, oh, I believe I'm a dog or a cat. Well, I can believe all I want, but it doesn't make me a dog or a cat, you know? I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's all in your uh, genetics. It's all in your genes, you know? When I say genes, of course, I'm not talking about genes. I'm talking about, you know, your DNA, you know? And that's the point, Tony. Again, what would be the difference between someone having a delusional or, or state of mind that they are a, a three-headed dragon dog monster over someone who thinks that they're uh, of a different gender that they're not, that they have not biologically been born to? I, I think that's that, that would be referred to as taking, to, taking things to the extreme. Like, it's one thing to think if you're a man you really feel like you're a woman inside you feel more you can relate to being a woman and vice versa a woman relating to be a man what does it feel like to be a woman i was going to say how does a man know what it feels like to be a woman to know to recognize it well uh some people have this it starts when you're young especially you know like a child childhood days uh they just they, they they feel uncomfortable in their skin, not because society, but because they just feel they feel like something is off, you know, like there's individuals like that in the world. You know, there's like I said, out there, there's people out there. There's a guy in Australia who thinks that he's the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, what well, is the difference between someone's thought process and the actual facts, though? There's people got all kinds of weird feelings. I used to think that yeah. I looked like Tom Selleck, you know, in his prime, but that wasn't simply not true. Right. I think they, the, some people take it to the extremes, you know, and um, people also do things for the wrong reasons sometimes. Like, like I said in the last show that when I was on your show, there are some, unfortunately, some transgender men that became that way because of past relationships, things went sour with their wife or their girlfriend. 
So if you're all hell with women, I'm just going to be a woman. You know, that, that, that's what I say. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, you don't really want to be a woman. You just, that's your inner turmoil. You want to retaliate. You know, you want to lash out and you want to change everything. So can I interrupt? Work. Of course, it's an open conversation. Okay, so I'm not uh, I'm not privy to this other conversation or whatever. But Tony, what what's your position? Or I mean, do you have a belief about this stuff that is like like I don't know what is it as far as gender uh, and stuff? Well, you know, like I always tell everyone uh, that I meet, uh, we live our lives based on what we believe. Like, of course, if you're Muslim, you're going to live a Muslim life. If you're Christian, you're going to live a Christian life. Yada yada yada. Mm -hmm. uh, so me being coming from a Christian background, uh, I, I really take my faith seriously and I try to cling to the Bible is I, I like, I don't, it doesn't matter what I say. I want to know what does the word say? You know, my, my opinion means literally. Well, okay. okay. I, I don't know. Do you, do you hold a, do you, I'm sorry. Do you hold a controversial, uh, uh, huh? you know, opinion on this matter or well, why, I, mean, I don't know why why i would like i'm i just feel myself i think the whole sexuality thing especially the gender stuff and you know right. trans and stuff myself i feel it's uh uh you know a lot of it is a it is i mean i have a christian worldview right so i i believe right. behind it all is is kind of an attack on the the family yeah yeah I you agree. Know, um, underneath it, you know, for whatever various reasons, you know, different yeah, people are inspired I, to, to do that. Yeah. Again, it comes back to uh, individuality. Like, there's a lot of, um, like, okay, I noticed from, from a conservative viewpoint, when they're looking at this whole trans thing, they're being bombarded on Facebook, on social media with images that from basically liberal transgenders, liberal people like this, people that is against God, or, you know, they're, they're not seeing those transgenders, which are few that happen to be conservative and Christian. And Tony, I, I've seen plenty of uh, transgenders as well as homosexuals who are conservatives, they voted Trump, all that. That's not the issue. Yeah. To, to give a real cut down dry where I'm coming from, and no, no offense, folks, but I see transgenderism as a, a form of mental illness, a chemical imbalance. And I think it may uh, exist so prevalent today due to the fact that adults did uh, much mushrooms and drugs back in the past and yeah. then it altered them later mm -hmm. on. That's where I'm coming from, but I still think we should show compassion and love. But I'm not going to do the pronoun bullshit. I refuse to do these yeah. demands. Go ahead. Uh, I, I have a I have a different reason why I think uh, the problem or what speaks to the prevalence is it's just to me it's freaking obvious uh, they've been grooming the society since the seventies at least um, you know just breaking down the you know typical moral barriers that were pretty much in place from the founding of our nation as a as people that held to Christian morals specifically. You know, which meant, you know, certain attitudes towards sex that you didn't accept. And and part of, uh, a, you know, a society that was uh, not a religious society, but based in freedom, you know, uh, you understood that, you know, 
there's, you know, if you have a problem, if there's issues or whatever, you deal with them from, you know, a basically Christian stand, you know, point of view as far as right. how you deal with even issues, you know, that that might come up. I mean, and obviously there's not a Christian standard really, but any, I hope, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to communicate an idea there. Yeah, you feel it, like it's taking down the nuclear family, basically. That's the, that seems to be your big thing. Well, I, I just think society, like beginning in the 70s again, and then just have, I mean, boom, 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 the increase. Me, I'm talking about media at, in at all the points of education where pe- the, the younger generation has been groomed, basically. Uh, that's a great word, you know? Um to and and so why is it all accepted you know and and so uh, because it's promoted constantly 24 7 yes that's why bombarded. yeah society is being bombarded with these images that oh you have to i think accept. it's an attack i think i see it as an attack on the fundamental you know right. values of america and because of its christian heritage and yeah the, the importance yeah. of the family for the whole structure of society. Yeah, I agree. Um, like my whole thing, the way I look at this is that um, first and foremost, uh, I, I'm like what Brett said. I, I'm not. It's not my place to condemn anyone. That's God's department. That's between that person and God. You know, the, the ultimate end. Oh, yeah. uh, we can't put anyone in heaven or hell. But that's his thing. Uh, all we can do is pray for people, keep them in my prayers, you know, wish them. I mean, I'm often accused of being transphobic or whatever mm-hmm. because I'm against trans um, genderism and stuff. Mm-hmm. But as a Christian, and I mean, my particular uh, slant on it is uh, I really want the best for everyone. I love all people. I love all mm-hmm. transgender people, all homosexual, anyone. I, I don't love people based on if they're a sinner or not. I assume they are a sinner. And but and it's just like I am, you know, <laughs> so uh, the Christian call is to love people. But, you know, loving people to me involves telling them the truth, <laughs> so, you know, so that's that you can't separate it. And so, you know, Amen. yeah, I hear you. The thing that you brought up, though, Tony, that fascinated me, I've heard a couple different people in my room. As you know, I've had a lot of transgenders come in my room, and they keep telling me, well, science says, and science says, and I'm like, all right, what science? And the only thing they give me is, well, transgenders have different things going on in our brain. Well, guess what? I got different shit going on in my brain, too. The fella here smoking a fucking Popeye pipe, he's got shit going through his head. What's so different that I all all of a sudden got to think this is magic juice or something? That's grasping at straws, obviously, because there's some kind of uh, measurable difference. uh, And that's even questionable, but let's, let's grant it. That doesn't mean that is there's no tie between that and this. You know, I mean, that they can point to. It's strictly a correlation. No. uh, At best, you know. Yeah. Uh, Regardless of the size and shape of one's brain, whether it looks more feminine or masculine, it doesn't change the the genes. You know, if you're you're XY, you're a man. If you're XX, you're a woman. I mean, these people have... These people have a real problem. I mean, look, for centuries, right? You'd hear, like, uh, you know, you'd hear, okay, here's what you'd hear. <laughs> it's a boy! It's a boy! How did they know that? 
How did they know right. all of a sudden that's a boy? I just wonder. That was pretty good. I need to use that as a sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what do you got, Tony? And like I said, even if someone is absolutely convinced of this, I'm going to show them love and compassion at the end of the day, no matter what, providing they're not hurting people. But what do you what do you think there is? What kind of science uh, magical? Uh, thing in the brain that we ought to just go oh well for now on let's do pronouns yeah uh, there was a study that was done years ago on uh, i can't remember the, the, the year it was but when this whole thing came out with uh, bruce changing to jenner um i was like i said in the last show i was on with you i did i was doing a lot of research on because it because i was like the mindset i was in Instead of condemning these people, I wanted to know what what is really behind this. Is it hormonal? Is it genetics? Is it, uh, you know, what is, so when I was doing this research, one of the things I came across was they did a study with uh, hormone replacement therapy and how that changes the brain. And interesting, they actually saw physical changes on MRI. Like men would have, you know, the size, the normal size brain, and he would actually shrink after um, going through the, the HRT, and vice versa. Women was the opposite. Their their parts of their brain looked more masculine, all because of this. It's amazing what hormones can do, but that doesn't make you. It doesn't necessarily change you from XX or XY. It can't change your genes. It just changes the shape of your brain. That's all. Doesn't mean you're a man or a woman. Well, Tony, what do you think about this? If adults, I've come to the point where there is a line drawn in the sand. If adults later on in their life, they think there's enough weird stuff going on in their brain, they want to do things to themselves or get a doctor to uh, do some chopping, fine. But now they're talking about going after children. While children are still in a phase of uh, trying to synchronize their own consciousness and sentience and how they identify themselves, how they uh, view themselves sexually and all this, they're wanting to incorporate this shit, this propaganda on children. And I think that's going too far. That's where I draw the line. I I agree. Yeah, that is wrong. I mean, if adults have issues, because there's a lot of adults that they'll make the transition and then maybe someday down the road they'll say, "Oh, what did I do? You know, I can't believe it. Now there's no going back." You know, if adults have a problem with this, how do they expect children to make the right choice? It's not possible. Well, I agree with you there, Tom. And I don't think we really know what's going on with the puberty block, the puberty blockers and stuff, and you know what that might do during a child's development to. Right. You know, be um, have that administered. You know, I don't, I don't think it's good. I agree. And with that being yeah. said, I'm gonna have a cigarette. You two awesome gentlemen talk about it. Oh, I'm leaving you with pizza in your mouth. It's gonna be hard to have a discussion, <laughs> but I'm glad you both came in. I'll be right back. You guys gonna be able to handle the zoo while I'm away? Yeah, sure. Uh, Brett is uh, they can't leave for the evening, or he's gonna come back. Or- 
Well, he stayed for like uh, almost an hour and a half. He put uh, he put it in there. He is going to be doing another open discussion, I believe, on the twelfth. Uh, uh, it's going to start out. The segment's going to start with him and Amy Newman, and then I'll start letting people in. But I got to start getting more nastier on the moderation. Donnie's really good at that. Um, I let a guy come in here. I thought that the guy was going to be cool twice now. I've had two atheists who kept cutting Kent off, and I had to tell him, hey, enough. But I can't do this. This is what I usually do when people are interrupting. But I can't do it with Kent because you don't like cuss words. I like doing this. Shut your fucking mouth! No problem, John. Shut the fuck up, you cunt! It's beautiful. And then also, if you get somebody asking ignorant questions like the guy did earlier, I can do this. Uh-oh, retard alert. Retard alert, class. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back, guys. Okay. Where, so where are, you, where are you from? I I, I can't hear uh, your mic, I think. Uh, I'm sorry, I was muted. Yeah, Um. I live around Detroit, just north of Detroit. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, is it more like a city or a country, uh, rural area? It's city. It's just Detroit continued going north. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Where do you live? Uh, well, I'm currently in Kentucky. Okay. I'm not too familiar with that area. but um, I mean, it's a metropolis, you know. It's all concrete all for miles through several counties. You know, Wayne County is where Detroit is, Oakland County, yeah. where I live. But, you know, all the highways and all the roads run through it all. You know, but yeah. you kind of know you're not in Detroit when it stops looking like a bombed out area. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, Kentucky is nice. Uh... I've been here for about three years so far. Okay. From where? Uh, well, I'm originally, uh, I was born and raised in Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, after a certain time, uh, I was living with my mom when, you know, at the time. And she moved away. She bought a house in Oregon. And I had no family, really, that I could live with in Hawaii. I had no place to stay, so I moved. I went with her. And then, uh, the Oregon, I, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I I lived with her up until she passed away in 2015. Were you near and, Portland uh, or I was in, um, are you familiar with Red, Redmond, Oregon? Not really, Central but Oregon? I was going back to my point. You've been to Portland, right? Yeah, there, yeah, twice actually. Okay, so I mean, you know, it's like any other, it's like. You know, you have Portland, then you have the adjoining suburbs. You know, it's all, you couldn't tell the difference, you know, if you were walking, generally, usually, you know what I mean? So I'm, all I'm saying is that's where I, I live in, like, a big city like Portland. So. Oh, okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't have the, uh, uh, forget the name of the transit system they use, the MAC or the MARC or something. Or... What's the, do you know the, the public transport, the train thing that you can get on in Portland? Uh, that takes that you all I'm around? Not, oh, okay. That I'm not, yeah. They, uh, I've been there twice, but it was more like passing through, you know, on a car. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never really stood any place there. So. 
So next stop, Kentucky? No, actually, the after my mom passed away, I decided to move. Mm, sorry about that. Yeah. She had lung cancer. But, yeah, um, I decided to go to Las Vegas. And mm -hmm. uh, I moved there in June of 2013. I lived there for five years. And then after right. that, I came here. Well, I spent a lot of time in Hawaii and a lot of time in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Well, what part of Hawaii? Well, all over Hawaii, but it was only like 36 hours at a time because <laughs> I was married to a flight attendant and yeah. she had uh, seniority and stuff. So she'd do these Hawaii trips, you know, on occasion. Oh. But when I, while I was married, we, yeah, I li kind of lived over in Hawaii almost. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a it's a nice place. I miss it sometimes. Uh, people say, "So you're Hawaiian?" And I said, "No, I was born and raised there, but I'm not I'm not Hawaiian by blood. I, I was just born and raised there." Yeah, it's not like uh, you're from another nation, sort of. If yeah. you're you know from Hawaii, right? Yeah, yeah it's it's like if you uh, how do I put this? It's like if you were you lived in uh, Texas and you moved to Cal uh, Oregon, for example. People would call you, oh, you're an Oregonian now, you know, mm -hmm. you live there. Yeah. So, you know, people call me Hawaiian, but I'm not Hawaiian by blood. I'm just, you know, just. And, but even at, even if they knew you were from Texas. Yeah. I mean, they sort of wouldn't say, oh, you're Texan then after you've moved. <laughs> you sort yeah, of, say, I oh, yeah. I, I mean, there's something about being Hawaiian means does refer to the race, you know, the Hawaiian, uh, the yeah. the Aboriginal, you know, the however yeah, you want to say uh, it, the natives, uh, the Polynesians, yeah, mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's one thing I was lucky having been born and raised there. I got to uh, grow up with all kinds of, you know, it's funny because they they say the United States, especially New York, is the melting pot, but I beg to differ, and the reason yeah. why. I feel like Oahu is really the melting pot because it really people, is a mountain pot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have, have people you been, like, huh? Sorry. Did you ever go to San Francisco? Uh, no, no, I've never. I been see, there. I see San Francisco as, as a, you're talking about only at a much larger scale just because Oahu, you know, it's a one island and not, not too right. many people get to have access to it, you know? Yeah. Oh, I got one yeah. more question, Tony, for you before we wrap things up on that other topic. Because apparently you, uh, I don't know if you're going to ever get me that science stuff you were talking about. But there is one <laughs> other thing I was wanting to ask you about. Um, do you feel as though there are posers in the transgender movement? Of course. The reason for anybody out there that doesn't know what I mean I believe that there's a lot of people in social media that deliberately dress up like females and try to cutesy themselves up and do all this extraordinary craze to their hair, you know, like the pink hair on one side and black on the other and do all this because yeah. they're trying to present some kind of entertainment and just get attention. It's not that they're... 
So for some reason, I think some people think that jumping on the transgender uh, train is going to get them more views or excitement or people listening to them when they weren't listened to before. What's your thoughts, yeah, guys? Yeah. yeah, it was like me. Like when I was posting those pictures of me, you know, the, of what my face looks like on a woman's body, uh, I have some women friends that at first they'll, they'll act like they're they're for me and they, they understand and they're nice and stuff. But then they'll say things that make you think that, oh, you sound like you're jealous. You know, it's like, then they say, oh, I hope you're not doing this just to go to Hollywood and stuff. I said, no, of course not. I mean, it's like, I, I, first of all, I haven't even started. I haven't even started. And second, I'm for me, it's, it's it has to do with, you know, whatever my blood test comes out. I'm, I'm determining everything on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, some a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons. You know, I see, Tony, one of the other things, too, why I, I get to the idea that it's a chemical imbalance is, as you know, a few years back, I used to hang out in a room that had a lot of transgenders in it, and many of them were admitted cutters. I don't know if you guys know what that is. And one yeah. of them wanted to change their gender so badly, but they claimed they didn't have the money to go get the change that they took a knife to themselves and put themselves yeah. in the hospital over it. So to me, I couldn't even imagine taking a knife to uh, Big Tom at all. There's just no way that's going to happen, you know. But yeah. somebody doing that, there's got to be something wrong. No, that, yeah, that that's that's when they need to seek out some kind of professional help because that's that's I hate to say it, but that's really silly. You know, you can cut yourself just because you don't have the financial means at the moment. Well, is that for the rest of your life? I mean, you know, it's not like forever. I mean, someday you'll make the money. Some, think, think of something, you know, come up with something. I mean, I don't know. But it's no reason to cut, cut your thing off. So I was going to, I had an idea about this. I wonder, I'll just run it out there. I don't know if it's true or anything. But I just had this thought about, okay, imagine if you're a man. And you are, a, you sort of, you know, oddly enough, you find yourself attracted to other men. Like you think, you know, as opposed to women. So you sort of associate yourself feeling like this must be what a woman feels like. Okay. And now, but in your mind, like the idea of getting it on with a man is disgusting to you, even you yourself because i have the you know you have this penis and you know i mean and so it seems like uh well maybe it'd be better if i if i take on the role of a woman at least by all appearances and you know i'll make myself feel better even in the you know because i'll be sort of you know to everyone, I'll look like what I'm desiring or what I feel like. Or, I mean, does that make sense? I mean, is that a possible what reason somebody would, would go to maybe transgender so, instead of uh, just straight gay? Uh, some, gay some people, yeah, presentation yeah, people. or something. Right. Some people do. Uh, I myself, I cannot relate to that because I'm not gay. Um, for me. It's different, like I like I talked about on Brett's last show. Um, 
I, uh, I suspect I might have something referred to as Klinefelter syndrome. And uh, that would basically mean my genes would be more female as opposed to male, meaning that I have more X's added to my Y gene. Um, so uh, that's one of the reasons that I would even contemplate the thought of transitioning. Uh, I haven't had my test yet, but I suspect based on a lot of things I grew up, symptoms that I've had all my life that nobody knows about except for me. Well, it seems like uh, the obvious, uh, you know, that can co that comes up in her case of a hermaphrodite yeah. or whatever. And, you know, it's like, to me, it's uh, at least uh, it, it's, uh, it's probably, I would think it's a lot different these days. Maybe they, I would think before they make a decision, maybe they do some genetic testing or something to see. Yeah. Which, well, uh, like, which side of the line is this baby favoring? Maybe yeah. so to say. Well, Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, the the obvious is sometimes before we cut off one or the other, you know, or yeah. you know what I mean, before we make that choice. Well, here here's the problem though. Um, the the obvious a doctor will look and say, oh, this person has this or that, so we'll just decide, you know, we're gonna keep this, we're gonna take out that. Well, that's the obvious. This is the hour, but sometimes there can be. Genetic abnormalities, like for example, climate filters, that people don't find out until they're late, until they're late ages. Oops. You know, when people do oh, the research, till, yeah, till these other, uh, yeah, uh, these other identifiers kind of pop up. Excuse me, I gotta yeah. refill my drink real quick. Yeah, symptoms and you know, etc. But uh, yeah, so not everybody will obviously show at birth, you know, for the doctors to make that decision. Sometimes, again, it's the genes, and they don't find out that until years later. But, Tony, you uh, you haven't went and got looked at, have you? No, but based on all this, the research I've done, um, I would say I'm about maybe, I have 75% of all the symptoms. But again, yeah, but you know, you're, you're self-diagnosing yourself in an age where there's just an overabundance yeah. of misinformation all over the net. You know that all through Biden and this Trump shit, there's just been garbage after garbage because of the woke movement and all these other groups. Unless you go to a professional, you're never really going to know. You can't base it on what you looked at on the fucking internet. If we looked on no, the I internet for me, everybody'd think I was an aquatic creature. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I understand that. It's, it's common sense, but um, there, you know, it doesn't rule out the symptoms. I mean, you know, granted, some people can have a lot of the symptoms and not have it. I might not have it. Who knows? I might go and get the test. It turns out I'm negative. You know, if that's the case, well, so be it. I'm okay regardless of whatever happens. You know, I, I just want to do the right thing in God's eyes. Uh, if 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 it did, if I was positive, I would have to really think about it, you know, uh, because besides being positive, there's other parts that would lead me down that direction only because when I was younger, I can relate. I always felt something was off as far as the way I felt. 
So if you don't mind just, me asking, and I'm not trying to put you in the hot seat here, Tony, but you said that you want to do what is right in the eyes of God. But didn't you have an appointment to go get the truth? Uh, yeah, and um, I kind of like, I well, for me, it, I, last minute stuff, I kind of chickened out because, uh, how do I put this? Um, I was thinking to myself, okay, let's say I go get the test and let's say it comes back positive. What do I do then? I don't currently have the financial means to make any changes. You know, so like it's what good kind to of know changes sure. do you think that you would need to make if it turned out it said positive? Well, let's say it was positive. Okay. Um, I would have to really think about this decision. And if I go down that road, the first thing for me, regardless of whether I transitioned or not, I there was I wanted to have a minor rhinoplasty for my nose because I had an accident where I was not proportionate. But um, the other thing would be, again, if I if I was to go down that road, we're talking the surgery, we're talking about voice changing to change to change my voice to be more feminine. Obviously, my voice don't, don't sound feminine. Why, though? I mean, you've already pointed out that even if this is the case, you're not interested in men. So why would you want to make yourself look like a woman? Because at that point, there's going to be a lot of women who may not be interested in you anymore. You're basically breaking your ability to be with women by making yourself look female. And you already said that you're not gay in the first place. So why no, would I'm you not. do that? that? Well, why, let me, why would let you me, do it for it? Well, let me explain it like this. Okay. For, for, okay. for me, how, how this started was when I was younger, like, like anywhere from 10 to 14, um, my parents would go out and leave me home, and uh, I would I would be watching, you know, you know, the back then they had the CRT TVs, you know, the block TV. So so anyway, long story short, um, like most kids, I'll be watching my stepdad's Playboy channel, right? I think I mentioned it before. You're watching Playboy, all right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I couldn't watch the I, I couldn't watch it clear because the CRT TVs had that jagged line that goes down the center. Tony, like can you give me a favor? When you start getting sporadic in your wording, your microphone starts making even more popping noises. Is there any way that you can fix that? Because I feel like I'm talking to a fucking record. It's like pip, 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 pip. Is there any way to fix yeah, that? Yeah, it's really poppy. Yeah. Uh. Oh, uh, try reloading a little bit, Tony. It sounds like a hamster dripping shit. It's rough. Uh, so what should I should I log out and come? I back don't know. Try way? to fix it or change mics or something, Tony. Because I really want to hear what you, <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say. But it's it's just causing. I feel like I'm having Rice Krispies crackling in my brain and shit. Please, can you fix it? <laughs> I want to hear you, Tony, but you got to fix it, man. All right, so how's your day been, sir? Me? You've been hating on people lately? <laughs> oh, I've been accused of it, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, the older, you know, I don't know. 
you seem to be in my age bracket. I'm 62. But, I'm 45, but I'll tell you what, because of my health issues, I definitely look older than Kent Hovind at this point. Well, people I was going by the gray hair. And, yeah. yeah, people call me Moses after a beating. There you go. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so, well, yeah, no insult intended. I was just saying, maybe imagine yourself in 20 years being able to reflect on just, you know, things or whatever. It's just a lot more under your belt of whether, you know, maybe a lot, uh, seems like, I don't know, from at least in my life, you know, there's, it's like the first third of your life, you don't know what's going on. You're just trying to hang on. You know, <laughs> the second third is like, yeah, you, you got an idea of what's going on, you know, if you, you know, and then like the, the last third is like figuring out if, if you were right <laughs> or something. It kind of feels like in the later days, like when you think you got shit figured out, somebody comes along and wants to pull the rug from under you. Well, that's what I mean. It's like that, sec that second third is like you think you got things figured out, you know, like life, you, like, you know, and, and it, it all might work and everything, but it's like after, it's like then you reach a certain age where or maybe a certain moment where you realize like you really don't know shit <laughs> you know you have beliefs and then you then you you know and then you you should realize we well you, we have beliefs for reasons you know and then well why do i have these beliefs you know like i i just think you need to be honest like i it sickens me to see christians you know people uh doing whatever uh on the air representing as a christian and they can't handle the base like they just maybe they just can't be honest you know but they come up with you know bullshit answers or or wacky answers that make them look foolish or something i don't know uh, i'm kind of i do i'm, I'm not being specific I, I, I do I, notice that christians back in the day especially my grandmother and my mother before she got sick if you came up at her and asked one of the kind of questions that you hear out here, it'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, and they'd get it straight. There wouldn't be no beating around the bush. It does seem like there's a lot of, I hate to say it, no offense, folks, but it does seem like some Christians have become kind of spongy when it comes to some topics. They don't just say it and say, this is wrong and this is right. This is what God's cool with. This is what he's not. It is odd. It's uncomfortable. Well, I think one yeah. of the big problems is nobody's, for some reason, uh, can say, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Intellectual honesty. That always is nice. It's always refreshing to hear. It, it usually is better if if that's the case, if you're arguing something. And what, what else? What, I mean, if you're not going to say, I don't know, what, what are you going to replace that with if you don't know? <laughs> I mean, we could say I don't bullshit? know. It, I, I'll or, have to look into it or research. Well, of course. I mean, I'm just saying uh, you could qualify. You know, well, okay. I, I honestly, I don't know. Uh, maybe I could hazard a guess, and you know, that'd be one way to, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm just saying the admission is the important admission is I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, everybody wants to sound like a damn genius on the internet. I think it's because the internet and social media cause this hierarchy thing where people have these egos. They feel like, oh, I'm being watched. I got to say something clever. It's got to sound like it comes from a fucking book when they really don't know where they're going with it. Well, it helps to be clever and, you know, funny and stuff. Yeah. Honestly, sure. I think we do pretty good at that. We do well at that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, you have to, you know, realize, uh, I mean, there's certain things that we have uh, that we were born with and it, we can't take any credit for it. You know, that'd be ridiculous. I think, you know, but it doesn't, again, it, there are, look, I'm 62. I, I know there, like, I can recognize the smart people among me and those that aren't that bright. You know what I mean? The, the certain levels. And now, and I can also recognize that I'm not in the level of some other guys. Like, I can tell when I'm not in that. Uh, that's up. Uh, those guys are, you, you, man, you're, yeah. Uh, can you not, can you break that down for me in little pieces, you know, or whatever? I'm just saying that's a part of life. I mean, you're somewhere in life, you know, so you would do you well to try to figure out where you're at among your peers. Maybe it might be helpful not to say there's anything quote unquote better about having, you know, but obviously, you know, intelligence is a, you know, uh, a helpful survival tool <laughs> in, in, in lieu of certain, you know, things you might face. So you're basically, you're seeking out humility and humanity. I like, like you. I try to be humble. I mean, I, I, I'm a humble person. And I'm just like, I think we're all equals. You know, I mean, that's what I, I just approach everyone as an equal. And, uh, you know, I don't pretend to know. Here's the thing. I make belief claims. I'm really adamant about not making knowledge claims, especially like there's very few. I believe there are very few knowledge claims that I could even say that I something i do know like i'm pretty sure i know that i exist you know i can't see how you know the fact that i'm thinking and you know uh, and that's an uh, that's an easy one though <laughs> but like beyond you know what do you know you know no no you know that isn't based on a lot of presuppositions well, there's people arguing nowadays that we might be in a simulation and we're just reacting to script responses. So even the whole, oh, I know I exist part, hell, that's being questioned now. Yeah, I just throw those. I mean, to me, yeah, that might be a valid philosophical query or something, but that's not real life to me. To me, it's like, hey, if if if, solop if some form of solipsism or whatever, if right, if if I'm just a brain in a vat, well, all bets are off then <laughs> to me. Like <laughs> to me, it, 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 you know what I mean? If, if you did realize that it'd be like, well, all bets are off as far as who cares what's going on in a mind. If it's, if that's, you know, like, it's like a dream then. Right. What's, I mean, I, I don't know. Dreams aren't, I love to have a nice dream, but they're not that significant. If that was the reality you are, if that's your reality is you're really just some fig, not, yeah, some figment of somebody's imagination. Yeah. 
or a, a amplified segment of your own imagination that the true you is sleeping. I know I've listened to a lot of these philosophers and they got my brain turned into fucking oatmeal. Yeah, well, there's a few questions, and that's one of them where I just say, you know what, if if you're going to, like, uh, I, I don't consider that even a, a worthy uh, thing to consider. You know, are, are am I, a, how do you know you're not a brain in a vat? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. unless I, I'm not, you know, it's one of those things, unless I, unless we, you know, unless I assume I'm not, <laughs> uh, you know, life is going to be, you know, pretty pointless. That's why maybe <laughs> there's so much conspiracies. Uh, like, like I heard one not too long ago. And by the way, am I coming in good? Okay. No. Again. You're crackling when you talk. Yeah, my mic sucks. Anyway, it's not, yeah, it's still there. Not maybe not as bad as it was, but yeah, some people think that there's a dome over the earth that prevents our souls from reaching heaven. You know, there's also that conspiracy. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, I got a, <clears throat> I got a guy that comes in there once in a while. He believes we live in a snow globe and that the Earth is flat. We let him hang out because he comes up with neat stuff from time to time. Keeps it interesting. I thought Nephilim was a flat earther. I don't know. We got a guy called Vaughn who believes he has sorcerer <laughs> powers and abilities. He promised me that he was going to create a barrier uh, to keep out the immigrants, but he obviously didn't come through on that. Shoot, I was uh, when I first came in. Dang it, because I I was uh, kind of was listening. <laughs> I wasn't able to come in, but I, I was listening when Vackel and Praise and um, Stand for Truth was in here. And um, but uh, somebody and maybe you know, but um, they mentioned some dude um, uh, who is really good at arguing for the Trinity, and I was gonna um. I, I I wanted to press those guys a little bit on that the the issue of the Trinity or but I did want to find out who this guy was because if he's as good as you know I want to hear the best arguments or see what he's saying because what do you I, I'm not that I'm not that? not that I'm not a Trinitarian but I definitely don't I I don't um, sign on to Nicaea or all that baloney. I struggled for a long time with the Trinity concept. There was a, quite a few years there where I was questioning other Christians. I was saying, okay, how is this? They appeared to be two separate entities, the whole Jesus praying, what he said on the cross. There was a couple different things. But some Christians pointed out some passages to me and talked me through it. And I'm more and more, uh, I'm pretty much, I'd say, 98% convinced on it now. But what's your view? Well, it's not really, it's not my view or it's, you know, it's not that. Okay. So my problem is um, with their view and what they, how they justify their view. And biblically. Well, let's hear it, man. You know, I'm an open-minded guy. I'm willing to listen to anything. I talked to a guy who believes he's in a snow globe. Go for it. Well, I mean, I, I, I it's, it's not very impressive, but... <laughs> All, I don't really have much of a belief on the Trinity. Um, be, for one thing, I mean, I'm a panentheist. So um, if you, and what that means, like practically speaking, when I when I 
And and like and are you familiar with Act 17 and Paul at Mars Hill? I don't have my Bible open right now, but I'm willing to hear you out on it. Let's see what we got. Okay, so um I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that I mean if you understand what Paul is doing in the chapter, and I guess uh, let me pull up on my phone so I can actually read it. I was raised on the Trinity, but I no longer believe it. You don't believe in it anymore there, Tony? What what happened with you? You said you were born into it. I, I took many years before people could convince me and make sense of it. Well, I was raised in a Pentecostal Christian home, and that's all we believed, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it was it was like second nature to me. But... When but those the, are all biblical terms, if, if I couldn't remind you, maybe. <laughs> yeah. When, when I read the scriptures for myself and I really saw there's more scriptures pointing in the opposite direction. That, you know, you know what makes this whole thing confusing is uh, there's two things that I can think of. Number one is the the main two manuscripts that people look at. You have the Septuagint. And then you have the Masoretic text. A lot of people that are on the Trinitarian side, they'll agree with the Septuagint. But people like me, I, I see more validation and more accuracy with the with the Masoretic text. And just so happened, the entire state of Israel actually prefers the Masoretic text too. And people can say, well, that's because they don't believe in Jesus. No. Because they have scholars that know what they're doing. They know the, the Masoretics is more reliable. Well, so far you've been telling me that there's this other group of folks who are simply bright and really good at what they're doing. What are they yeah. seeing, though, Tony, that's getting you excited? That's the part I want to hear. What are you talking about? Well, you just told us, well, there's these other folks over here. They're saying this, and they interpret really well, and that's why I go with it. But you didn't exactly tell us what it is that they came up with, why it convinced you. Oh, as far as the whole uh, oneness or Trinitarian issue? Okay, so what is your view? Is Jesus a separate entity? Is he a completely different personality? Is he even connected, or is he simply filling in a role? What is it? What is yeah, it, Tony? Yeah. Uh He's the son of God. He's not God the son. That's the difference. You know, I, I believe that he existed prior to the, the creation of the earth, but as Yahweh's first Holy Spirit. In other words, the spirit that came out of Yahweh, who Yahweh used to create the earth in the first place. That's why uh, is he, he was a, Is he a created being or did he always right. exist? He's a created being according to the Masoretic text. Now, if you read the Septuagint, you'll see that, oh, he, he, he's everlasting from eternity. See, there's a big difference there. When you read the Masoretic, it actually says he had a beginning. But you read the Septuagint, it says he had eternity. See, big difference. Hmm. What about, you? what do you think over there, sir? You're kind of just chilling back. Um, yeah. Um, uh, well, can I go into Acts 17? You can go into whatever you like, man. 
I'm not yeah. like these other religious folks where if you say something unusual, I'm going to start slapping my forehead and screaming heretic and setting shit on fire over here. I'll listen to well, whatever you got. I, you know, sometimes it's better for me instead of just to, you know, if I, when I just state my beliefs plainly, it's just like generally it's like shock and awe reaction or whatever and not. Uh, oh, heretic or whatever. That's obviously false. Or... I just got done listening to an hour of monkey surfing on fucking seaweed 900 miles and octopus <laughs> riding on comets to get here to Earth. So trust me, I've heard some shit. Yeah, me too. I get that too. Well, anyway, sometimes it's better if I just... Uh, because I form my beliefs because of the Bible. You know. But anyways, now while Paul... This is Acts 17 at verse 16. This is going to, I'm just going to go with the whole story here, but um, I'll just read through it all and then I'll go back and comment just so you can just get the unvarnished sense maybe, but this is the New King James. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine is of yours, which you speak? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life, I mean, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold and silver stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Okay, so um, if you were listening carefully, Paul, talk, or Paul talks about the divine nature. 
he says, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like silver and gold and precious stone. And what is his argument? Because he's just referred to the children, the offspring of God. And that's what the word in the Greek is. It's the offspring. It's his offspring are divine. It's, you shouldn't think the divine nature is like gold and silver. No, you can look at a human being who is an offspring of God and tell that the divine nature isn't like those things. That's Paul's argument because the divine nature is revealed when you see a man. Because we're the offspring, just like he said, because in him, God, in him, we live and move. What does it mean for in him we have our being? Okay, so this just, okay, this is, now if you, if you reject the creation ex nihilo, Greek, you know, classical theist, you know, derived system, you know, I don't think you get anything from nothing. You don't, you don't get something from nothing. Not even God gets something from nothing, (laughs) you know, so. And then we have, okay, so now let me turn to Psalm 2, Psalm, Psalm 90. And I'm going to, you know, quote Moses here. Appreciate your patience. Excuse me. Okay, Psalm 90. Uh, the eternity, well, okay, Psalm 90, uh, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. That's part of the text. Uh, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. In all generations, before the mountains were born, or ever you birthed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Okay, so this is Moses. I mean, he knows the Genesis story. And how does he describe God bringing the earth and the world into existence? He birthed, he uses the birth metaphor. That's not creation ex nihilo. Do you see, you understand? Like a mother and a, has a baby, they're related. They have the same nature. The baby is not the mother, okay? And in this case, you know, God can birth the universe out of himself, the stuff of what he is, because God is a temporal being. He's not outside of time, and he's He's in space. He fills all space, right? That's what I'm going to argue, again, because... Like here, uh, from even uh, from everlasting to everlasting, that's a temporal statement. That's that's talking about in time, and everywhere and without exception, the Bible talks about God and His exist. You know, it speaks of Him in temporal terms. The Bible presents God as very old. Bottom line. <laughs> so those are some of the reasons why I think. God is this, it's a pantheistic universe, panentheistic universe we live in, not pantheistic, um, where God is the creator. He, in time, he, he chose a, a point to create. He birthed the universe, and then, you know, it's not really much different after that point. You know, we have a universe now, and, you know, he's given uh, everything its, its properties, you know. He can, like, for instance, God's stuff, okay, the stuff of which God is, of which all of us have, you know, I 
even though he made the universe, you know, he still makes rocks and trees and where Paul can make these distinctions between a human being and that stuff. But even John the Baptist said God could make a, chi a child of Abraham out of that stone. Right. And that fits my view of a panentheistic existence because it's all fundamentally God's stuff. God can make it like, for instance, God himself, he can it, Jesus, you know, God is not visible, but we see um, times where God makes himself visible. Um, and then he cannot be visible again. Like, you know, some of these Old Testament, uh, like I can turn to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So and you're we basically saying simplistically that all that we see around us is the very essence of God, that it came from God himself, that he didn't just magically pop the something into existence. Exactly. He didn't pull it out of a hat, you know. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. And, and he... So essentially, all things could be said to have divine origin and be made of the divine. You know, they can like that's why a human being is divine. It by nature, a human being is divine. In other words, it's part of God. You know, it's made from God, it, you know, and, and that's what it means to be divine is to be of divinity of the divine, you know. And that's what we are. So that's one reason why I reject. I mean, this is the biblical text is driving me to these places, but I reject um, the hypostatic union. Um, it never made any sense anyways. Uh, look, an entity, a individual, an individual, right, uh, only has a, a nature, okay? And that nature is what describes that entity, you just uh, include all of his, you know, all of his traits or attributes. That's, you know, that's what we describe. That's how we describe a nature. A, you know, a thing doesn't have two natures. <laughs> that's, that's to me, it's a contradiction. It's incoherent. You know, it's, it's like, ugh. I mean, it's like, huh? It, and, and they're only forced to do that because they have other presuppositions about God and stuff that, they think prevent them from, you know, they can't, you know, these people, the Nicene people, they can't have, like, they wouldn't admit that the human, is the human flesh of Jesus divine? Ask a Trinitarian that. Is the human flesh of Jesus divine? And you, and ask, see what they say. And what do you think about that question? Well, I agree with you. It clearly says in the Bible that God breathed his life into us. And obviously he used all of his wisdom, his power and abilities to be able to create all of existence. I just didn't know the word for it, but that's okay. pretty much where I'm at on it. Okay. And see, my argument is really a Christological argument. It starts with Jesus. And if you think about this for a minute, imagine, okay, so imagine God, okay, uh, he wants to make a, 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 you know, human being, you know, whatever, you know, he wants to have this creature that he can enjoy life with. Right. Uh, and a loving relationship with that's what my premise is. That's why God created that. To me, that's the only thing that makes sense. The why he would create is so he could have these 
that his loving nature of which he is just, you know, it's the kind of thing that wants to share even, you know, he, it's not that he's not satisfied because he's completely content within his own relationship. That's fine. But it's still, I mean, to me, the, he, 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 you know, he has the idea that he, I can make a, a millions of these billions of these things, these creatures and have relationships with them. You know, if I make them, you know, like me, right and that's what you know we're made in the image of god you right okay so and like at least two times directly in the new testament and maybe three times but uh, paul says that jesus actually is the image of god he doesn't say that jesus is made in the image of god he kind of says that jesus is the image of god now if you look at the incarnated christ the human, you know, the human being that Jesus is, right? And and Paul says he is the image. Of, that's that man, Jesus, that in history, that was the image of God. He calls him the image. Now, so I take that idea and I see, oh, that makes sense. Jesus, okay, so getting back to God, okay, I'm going to make these creatures. What's it going to look like? What's it, What kind of attributes? I know. I'll think of the word, you know, I'll think of myself, kind of, right? I'll think of myself if I became, uh, uh, you know, this uh, visible, you know, if I created a, like a universe, a, a physical universe, you know, and, and made these creatures, you know, what would it look like? What, what would it consist of? What kind of attributes would it have? Well, if I became that and now... Okay, so that means, okay, in God's mind, he pictured the human person, Jesus, with, you know, the perfect human being, right? Himself represented as a human being. Okay, that's the prototypical, I, that's what a prototypical human is now, is the, a man, God, God in the form of a man. Do you understand so far? Okay, so now, now that now that God has this image, right, that he knows what it's going to look like, he creates Adam when he, you know, creates the clay, you know, forms the clay. He makes it into that image of Jesus, of the human Jesus, if that makes sense. The prototype, the prototype of all humanity, even though he's not a human yet. But God, you know, God knows that much that he's going to make. I mean, that's how he designed the, the being off of this prototypical idea of Jesus or of himself comes to be named Jesus when he does it. But does that make sense? And then so God creates man after his own image, the image that he would take if he was that thing. That's what I think the image of God means. So, and, and it's based on this, this Christological argument that Jesus is a human in every respect, just like us. No two natures, just the one nature it's div he's divine because we're divine. It's no, there's nothing. His divinity, though. I mean, his when he when he became incarnate, you can go to Philippians, right? He gave up his deity, so you know, whatever. He gave up his divine attributes to become, you know, as far as his power, you know, his, like because we know Jesus had to learn things, right? He 
he didn't know all things. He, uh, you know, he, and then then you get to the all these passages that the Trinitarians claim for their arguments don't work. Half of them, more than half, because if you just like how many arguments that will be made out of John 17 where, you know, I and the father are one, right? That's, that's, I mean, that's almost one of the key uh, new Testament passages, but it's really, it's just a way of proof texting because if you read the passage, you'll see that Jesus prays about us becoming one with them in the same way. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. that's a little bugger in your wicket, if you ask me. I mean, but not to that, them. That That's because he and the Father is one in spirit. In other words, everyone... Well, it's not is, one in the world. sense that they're arguing. We know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But, yeah, that is, it, the, the scripture... Without the saying what it does argue, I'm saying, right. you know, you, you know it's not arguing that point. Maybe it's up for debate what he is saying, but I don't, I don't right. think it's that far out of reach to, to interpret the passage. Because there's two places <laughs> where, it, where it becomes clear. One is uh, John 17, and that's where Jesus is talking to the Father, you know, where he says, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, etc. And that, that they might know you, the only true God, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, the one that you sent, mm -hmm. you know, and then he, he goes on to say, make them one as we are one. And what did he mean? He's referring to the Holy Spirit in, the, in a believer. Because the scripture in the book of Acts says anyone that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. They're no longer, they're one with God and Jesus. Well, that's what I believe uh, salvation yeah. entails is that relate. That's what it means to be related to God is when you have his spirit, it, it, when he's, you know, like Jesus talked about in John 14. The comforter will come, you know, and he'll be with you forever. Exactly. As long as as long as you don't rebel. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> So where are you, Brett, on the uh, once saved, always saved controversy? Uh, once saved, always saved. That's something I struggled with as well. Um, a lot of people make good arguments on uh, both sides, but it does bother me. Like, for instance, the Jeffrey Dahmer example I've given folks. Have you heard that one? Well, he, he became a believer at the end, right? Yeah, at the end, and he was ironically killed by a uh, cellmate that was referred to as the chosen one just a couple of weeks after he converted. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I find it unusual, but I know that we're all referred to. I don't know how that, anyway. but I, I, I mean, that's an interesting story. I don't know how it applies to once saved, always saved though, because he would have been saved at, I mean, everybody, we always hear about the great deathbed conversions. That would be similar case. I mean, it wasn't a question of him falling away, was there, or something? No, no, it seemed like he was genuine and sincere. Mm -hmm. I guess I've I've struggled with this. I've struggled with, I've also struggled with the whole faith without works, because there's some Christians who say, ah, you don't need to do any actions. There's some Christians who are actually convinced that they could sit on their ass all day eating Twinkies and playing Nintendo and it's fucking good to go. I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm a newbie at this. Well, well it, it's pretty simple, Brett. Um, from the, the new the entire New Testament is pretty clear, and this is how it's clear. In Revelation, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't it give warnings and plagues and punishment to people? If, if, yeah, if but it also people... says in Revelation that not only will you be judged based upon the iniquity that you've committed, but you'll also be judged on your works. So well, that... Yeah, because the books are open and they were judged by, and I, I think it's their words and deeds, yeah. isn't it? Their works. Yeah, it's their works. Yeah. See, Revelation but, messes me up on the whole Trinity issue as well. That's one of the things that still get me because it appears as though God is giving over his inheritance to his son and God is referred to as a king where the son is referred to as a prince. The relationship's right. kind of unusual there. But like I said, it, it reads sometimes to me, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but like a political manual. Either side can make arguments and all that, and in the end, who is actually right? See, you said, Mr. Irenic, you want people who are humble who say, I don't know sometimes. Well, that's where mm -hmm. I'm at. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I I take, I have a, you know, I see the book of Revelation for certain reasons. I mean, it, you know, I, I'm not the first to put Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation together, and, and I do that too, except that I see you know, like I understand Jesus as an apocalyptic preacher. He's he's on the scene to proclaim the a judgment, a soon coming judgment on Jerusalem, because and this is the last time. I mean, so this is why at the end, you know, in Matthew twenty one, I think the, the you got the parable of the the vineyard keeper, and you know he he lays out basically lays out the history of Israel. You know this. The, the 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 king went you know leased his land to others you know and uh which is basically the nation of israel and he sent servants to it to collect its fruit and they you know mistreated all these prophets you know all the servants they sent you know time again and then oh finally he sends his son you know and and there, I think it's important. He says, "Last of all." I mean, the you know, Jesus uses the word "last of all." I mean, it sounds like there's no other chances if they reject this time, because right. you know, in the parable, it says he sent a son, and and instead of respecting his son, they said, "Oh, we'll we'll seize it, we'll we'll kill him, and we'll and we'll seize the inheritance for ourselves." Right mm -hmm. now, Jesus says, "What will?" what will that king do to those people? Do you think he asked the Jews, you know, those, these Pharisees and they said, Oh, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll take, he'll, he'll take the, the, the land and, and give it to others. And he'll utterly destroy those people, you know, that were in charge. You know, And Jesus says, yep, you're right. Uh, and he says, the kingdom of God is taken from you. And or the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation or a people that an ethnos that will produce its fruit. So I I see the you know the coming destruction, you know, and then so that's what you know Jesus predicts the coming destruction of the the 70 AD, you know, in Matthew 24, uh, especially if you read Luke's interpretation there, you'll see that. You know, instead of the abomination, well, you know, Matthew says 
uh, when you, you know, Jesus, because, okay, here's the thing. They're talking about, they're going through the temple, him and his disciples, and they're admiring all the beauty and everything. And uh, that's when Jesus says, hey, well, there's a day coming when not, uh, not one stone will be left on another. And that uh, strikes up some curiosity in the, well, when will that, when's that going to happen? You know, and what will, what will be the sign that this is going to take place? You know, that's what they asked them. And so he, he tells them, you know, and he, there's certain things that'll be going on. Don't worry about that. You know, you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes and various, you know, all this happened between the time of Jesus and 70 AD. Uh, 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 and even the, the the gospel will be preached in all the world. Um, and Paul confesses that. Um, he, he's, he says, you know, he, he's preached the gospel to the entire world. You know, I don't know, you know, you can call it hyperbole if you want, but you know, he does say it. And then if the, if Paul's statement was hyperbolic, then maybe Jesus's was too, because the prophets often spoken hyperbole. But anyways, um, the thing is, um, Luke, where, where Jesus talks about the, when you, and then he says, when you see the abomination of desolation, uh, spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let him you know who let him who hears understand or whatever. Um, okay, at that point now, Luke is generally understood as is as, as writing to a Gentile audience. So instead of that statement, right, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel standing in the holy place. Okay, what does that mean? A lot of argument has gone on about that phrase, but where Luke has it. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Okay, so if you just understand that this is all about a near warrant, like Jesus told the, a group of his disciples, um, just this was just days before the transfiguration. And a lot of people claim the transfiguration is this idea, but I, I, I disagree because uh, what Jesus said, what, okay, so Jesus says this to his disciples. Uh, there are some of you standing here that will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, coming in his kingdom language, that everybody thinks that's a second coming. No, that is God coming in judgment. That's Old Testament prophet language. You can see it. I, you know, I could take you to it where you'll read about God coming on the clouds or riding the chariots. And it's like this, you know, weird poetic, uh, they call it apocalyptic language, you know, based on revelation. But, um, you know, it's this imagery. It's this, it's, you know, it's basically what's going on is God's, you know, in, uh, inspiring one nation, Babylon, to go and attack, you know, and that's how he brings judgment. But they speak about it in these other, you know, poetic terms of, dragons and you know bear kingdoms and oceans and things you know like that so i know i'm rambling on here but it's a lot of information that people are like you got to be able to connect these dots and unless you're really familiar with the old testament you, you're going to miss a lot of this stuff and you know i had help along the way to be able to consider this idea and it, to me it makes a lot more sense that uh so i'm a predator i'm what you call a partial preterist when it comes to like Matthew 24 in the book of Revelation. I think the book of Revelation is about the same period of time, except to the end 
when when then you know then he kind of chapter you know after chapter 19 i think you know then we see the scene in heaven sort of at the end you know the book but all of it fits if you read it a certain way in a first century context and fulfilled already most of revelation is fulfilled there is no future um second coming apart from just the end when jesus shows up the resurrection happens the dead are judged and then we all enter the new heavens and the new earth that's the biblical model that's the biblical plan as i see it and all that's all we're expecting what's your thoughts tony my thoughts on how it's going to end Oh man, I'll tell you what, your microphone's going satanic on me again. Uh, my my thoughts and how it's gonna end me. Well what he was just saying. What's what do you have a, a particular millennial view? Like are you pre like my view is called a millennial, like I'm an a millennial. That which means I don't believe in a literal thousand year reign of Christ in the future. After you know, this is at the rat you know, at the at the rapture mm -hmm. event or whatever. Right. Some people think the millennium. Right. So the millennium is a thousand years on Earth. Right. If you're if you're premillennial, you believe that Jesus will come before that thousand years. And that's what most I would say most Americans kind of are taught that kind of idea. OK, then there's uh, a there's a postmillennial view. Right. Which is no, the thousand years doesn't really or the thousand years will, um, it will happen. And then Christ will show up there's like this really stark period of revival where almost the entire world is converted and we live for a thousand years in that condition judging the wicked and stuff or whatever you know because they a lot they have to allow for these bad people are around in armageddon and stuff um and and then jesus comes back and you know finally judges everything and in the amillennial view at least my particular brand uh, sees the thousand years as representative of a long period of time. It's not exactly a thousand years. It doesn't have to be. It's just a, it represents a long, you know, a long time between Jesus first coming and his second coming. Um, so that's, that's. What's the, it, it, uh, what's the rapture look like for you? Yeah. To me, the rapture is just the, the rapture is just the, is the, is the resurrection experience of someone who's alive and hadn't experienced death. That's how I see it. And there's just one event, like if you read in second Peter three, uh, you know, the great day of God, when, you know, there's, I, you know, it's going to include the resurrection. Like if you go to first Corinthians 15, second Thessalonians chapter one, uh, Matthew 13 parable of the weeds and tares and its interpretation put all that stuff together you see there's just one event we're waiting for in the future that Jesus is going to come back on that day like John 5 says there is an hour when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth some to a resurrection of life some to a resurrection of condemnation which in John usually refers to death so there, there's going to be that judgment the resurrection is the judgment that's how I see it. And uh, some will receive new bodies, like we read about 1 Corinthians 15. We'll read, you know, the, the, immor the mortal will put on immortality, the, incorrupt the, the corruptible will put on incorruption. That's like what we see Jesus in his resurrection. So he was the first fruits. We're going to follow after in that model. 
right? We're going to be raised like he was in bodies like his. Okay. But the, the wicked aren't raised that way. They're, they're raised and they're just going to be raised. I, I see a picture of where just by nature, because uh, they can't withstand uh, God unmasked and all his glory, they just burned up. So, you know, they're, it, and it's, you know, and so I don't have, I don't really take the judgment seems that literally, you know, and I don't see it necessary just, you know, to express a great destruction, uh, one you don't want to be a part of, you know. Uh, so the I'm an annihilationist when it comes to that. But it's only because of uh, it's not God uh, burning people up on purpose. It's just the consequence of the facts of nature when you're in your body, you know, uh, this body here and you're exposed to God. That's a fact of nature. You just can't, you know, you just like uh, in the Bible talks about like the man of sin being destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Mm-hmm. You know, the epiphania of his uh, par- parousia, you know, it's it's this brightness. It's, it's a shining forth. It has a destructive nature to it. That's the idea. Think, powerful, powerful energy surge, and they don't have the protection on them. And in in right, without having been raised in that body, that's the gift of that's what that's what the you know that's what the Christian hope is is to have the is the resurrection you know, and then so yeah, you're raised uh, with uh, Teflon you know coating or asbestos coating. To answer your question, I think I'm more. Um... Pre, pre, I guess pre, pre-millennial, and and I guess what, what I and mean then by that pre-trib. Yeah. Then there's pre-trib or post-trib, but that's all pre-millennial. Yeah. 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 The way I see it is that um, God Himself, uh, despite the, um, you know, like how you know in the Old Testament we have things like the three angels. One of them was referred to as Yahweh. We have uh, Jacob wrestled with an angel. Uh, But he himself, God, the person, I believe, didn't uh, actually show up until Exodus 19. And that's what... What What's Exodus 19? I'm sorry. Exodus 19 is when he told Moses, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the people ready. I want you to have them wash their clothes, keep clean both physically and, and spiritually. Because on the third day, I'm going to physically come down in the sight of all millions of people on the very top of Mount Sinai, which is today referred to as uh, Jebel el Ross in Saudi Arabia. And till today... Um, you may have to reload again. It's getting <laughs> fucking horrible It's over really here. bad. Yeah, it's unfortunately, because it's... A, yeah. <sighs> Okay, so I'm sorry. So that incident you just uh, referred to, though, is long after the burning bush incident. So God didn't reveal himself to Moses and the burning bush? Yeah, but that was an angel representing. If you oh, notice, it's, the angel, it's not Yahweh himself? Okay, so I see yeah. those as Yahweh myself. Because, I mean, he says, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, to put yeah. my hand and you'll see my backside. Right. I mean, he, it's not presented as an angel's backside. No, no, no. no. So, okay. Tony, uh, every time you pronunciate or get higher pitched, it, it just crackles so bad I can't even understand you. Can you reload or something, please? Because I do put this shit on the radio, and I don't want it to be Satanism in people's eardrums. 
let me try again. Hold on. Uh, All right, I appreciate it. Damn. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the revelation. I I've heard so many different forms and versions of it. It seems like there's a lot of symbolic nature and literature going on there, trying to describe something. I have met preterists, but usually their view is towards Nero and Rome and and uh, revelation. Well, that's that's part, part of the yeah, that's part of the argument when it comes to now. But there are uh, there are what are I would call a full pre, you know, there are full preterists that call themselves full preterists and they don't, ex they think all, all prophecy has been fulfilled. We're not expecting anything in the future. The resurrection has already happened. Um, and, you know, we just are going to expect life to carry on as it is, I guess, forever. That's it's their view. No end, no world. They see, right. They see spiritual fulfillments of all this, uh, of what, you know, like the resurrection event and stuff. I mean, they have some pretty convincing arguments if if you're not real schooled in the Old Testament and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, they're like, you know, like I'm, I I, I wouldn't want an unskilled Christian. I mean, I, well, I wouldn't care. I mean, I mean, truth is truth, but uh, a well, a well, like a guy like Don Preston, who's a preterist for his whole career and the th here's what i don't like about one here's a red flag i see about preterism for instance full preterism is and, and there's certain other things fit in this category within the church um like certain kind of charismania stuff or whatever anyways they're they're very it's like you ever meet a christian and you i'm sure you have that it's like this one thing is this is their this is all they want to talk about this is their whole thing about you know is showing the regular christian why their you know cultish looking view is really the truth you know <laughs> yeah being some where they seem to have like a one track deal like it's a one horse pony show. Yeah. One horse, whatever, you know, it's like one horse pony, right? It's that's it that, and they don't have any depth in anything else. They don't have any interest in discussing. Like if, it, if the topic should wander somewhere else, they're sort of, you know, uninterested or whatever, because their thing is to talk about this, their thing. And I've seen, I've seen open theists like that. That's, I mean, there's I've seen a lot the of same with non-believers too. Oh it, yeah. Oh yeah. It's a common human trait. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, so, you, I don't know, you gotta, you gotta, anyways, it's sort of, it's, okay, so when you look at preterists, full preterists, I don't know, I, I, that, I, it always seemed like a kind of a commonality among a lot of them, that, to me, it's just, it, it's, like I said, it's a red flag, it, what's a red flag, it's like, I don't know, something in my gut that tells me that ain't, it, it ain't jiving, <laughs> <laughs> with the truth, you know. So, without yeah, having yeah. an argument necessarily. Hey, uh, do you have a good picture of yourself? Me? The reason why I ask is I like to make nice thumbnails of my guests on my, uh, you know, videos. Do you got any that you are happy with? <clears throat> I don't know. I'll see if there's something on the computer here. I don't. I don't think so. Maybe I'll have to get it off my phone probably. Well, I could take a screenshot of you, but you'd have to hold a position for like five seconds. All right, hold on. Okay. Oh, wait a second. 
that didn't go over well. I can take one and then then I can share that if you want. All right. All right. Well, make sure you give a good smile or something. Yeah, let me uh I think I can go to my camera setting so it'll be maybe clear of any clutter. <clears throat> Say money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me see my buttons here. Oh, uh, I'm gonna hold on. I got that blur thing on, and it's I'll, I'll get rid of that for a second. It's affecting. There you go. Money. <laughs> uh, hold on one second. There you go. That's a good smile. Go with that. Go money. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I can adjust it a little more. Let's see. Because I'm on a low, I think I'm on a low definition. You'll see. I'll be further away, but a little clear. Okay. Uh, one second. Still my camera. I don't know if that's going to work. Oh, I don't know why my light goes out. I don't think that's going to, we'll see what the screenshot looks like, but maybe it might be best. You maybe took them already. Hopefully you did. Well, just uh, do me a favor real quick. Look at the screen. Go money. Money. All right. That looks good. That'll work. Cause I'd have to, I have to crop these. Maybe. Oh yeah. That looks all right. I'll crop yeah, it and share it anyways, just so you can have the option. That's a good picture. Let's see what we got. All right. Yeah, that'll do good. So, so uh, can you hear me better? Your what hurts? <laughs> uh, so how's it? How's it coming in now? You still got some crap. I don't understand. I've been talking to you for the last couple of years. I keep telling you to get a new mic, and it's like you don't want to listen to me, even though I'm right about everything. It's weird. Brett, you got Discord, yeah. right? Yeah. You want to send me a link? Let me see. Oh, hold on. Let me save In this private chat. Real That'd be quick. good. I almost got this picture saved. I was just uh, editing it up, taking out some of the background. Okay, because I can share. I was going to share this. I got a clean version without your uh, without your filters. Let's see. I'll open up Discord. I might have a little bit of lag. I do that, though. Let's see. All right. Discord's going to be open in just a second. Dun, dun, dun. It just seems like a convenient place to share a photo. That's all. Yeah. All right. It's up. And my, I believe my name on this is, uh, yep. I think you have to send me, a, I have to have a link. I have to have an invite link or something. An invite link? Yeah, to get into your... Ch I, I can't just get into your server if I don't have an invite. And I don't think I'm part of it. Weren't you able to message me? I don't believe so. Not there. Oh, well, maybe I could. Maybe. I mean, you can, if you're friends and stuff, you can reach out. If you, At least if I think. I don't know. I don't think I'm in your... I, I'll try. I can try to. But I... You know, uh, I have to have a little button to hit to hit to uh, get in somebody's server, and I don't. Yours isn't on my left hand side there. What is your uh, What is your username? 
It's Cybernetic Pelagian. All right. Okay, I can I can send you a link to my server. Okay. All right. I'll just do that and then invite copy. Mm. I used to use it. I, I I'm rarely in this anymore. But there's there. Go ahead. If you if you go in there, and I'll just I'll I guess I'll just drop it on the first on the general chat there. If you go to general at the bottom, I'll I'll put the picture there. All right, what did you give me a link? I I in a private chat. There's a, a link uh invite to my channel. Okay. So upload file. It's that one. Yes. All right, looks like I'm going somewhere. Okay. There you are, yeah. Wave hi to all. So you see my see that picture up above? I don't know. Is that all right? It hasn't fully loaded yet. I'm still oh, seeing okay. the controller spinning. I'm running a lot of shit in order to do this. I see. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, it, it's accessible to you anytime. Should I get a stand? Should I get a standing mic like you folks have? Would be better probably. Well, w what kind of mic are you using? I was going to ask you. Believe it or not, I'm using an earbud. A which? A earbud. Earbud. Because oh, I are you, do you ha are you on a laptop or a phone? I I'm uh, I have my earbuds connected to my big screen TV, and I'm I'm using my big screen as a monitor. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. Um. But okay. So, but your microphone is your earbuds. If you if those were not being used, would something else pick up the sound? That's all I was gonna say. Yeah, like uh, try, try to add uh, me as a friend real quick in Discord because I gotta what, shut out of this. What's show. running Streamyard? Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, what's running? What are you running Streamyard on? Well, I'm also running OBS and also. No, I was talking to Tony. Oh, okay. Oh, well, add me real uh, quick on uh, on Discord. Yeah, I have to get back in there. Um, one second. I must have to left click. You gonna be going okay. into your Discord? I just I just sent you I just friended you uh friend in, friend invite at least friend request or whatever you call it. So all right. Does Got that it. now we should be in communicado or communicado, not in communicado. Okay. Cool. Yeah. There it is. Okay, I see you. Bear wave. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So is that where you're going after I shut this shit down? Uh, no, I don't go in there very much. And I, when we first got off, you know how when everyone left Hangouts originally, it was like a mad rush whether to go to different. There was a couple different platforms. Mayway, I think, was coming out, or but Discord was the winner, you know, and everybody went in there. But now I've come back to YouTube and Streamyard because I like I like video chat more i mean you know i like i like this platform yeah. i mean you can do this in discord but it's not broadcast on youtube you know, so. well here's the image i got you see 
Where am I looking? I'm. I see myself on screen here, and I'm seeing private message on Discord. I showed you the picture I got. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I closed Discord. I thought we were done with that. Well, I thought that's why you wanted me to open it so I could show you and you could. I only no. I just was like using Discord to share that picture with. I. I, That's the only reason I'm in here. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty smiley. <laughs> there you go. I, I'm, it's, I'm a little too squint-eyed for my taste, but oh well. That's how I am most of the time. Oh, I look like a stoner. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's me. All right. So you closing Sorry. it down? So, Mister Ironic, if you look, uh, yeah, I closed out of Discord. If you look on the front page, both of you, you'll see that I do scheduled stuff, and it'll give you the exact time and. The reminder, and I always have the link out even before I go live. Oh, cool. Uh, All right. You don't ever have to just sit out there and wait. As soon as you see the link and it's time, come on in. All righty. Appreciate it. And Tony, uh, did you want to try talking again? You want to do some more popping and snapping for us? <laughs> no, I, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to log out because I my mic my mic is not good um, apparently. This keeps happening. It's, it's not I, popping now, actually. Funny enough. Yeah. Maybe it's the signal. Maybe my signal on the the Bluetooth is weak, probably. Yeah. Um, There's a little anyway, bit of it. Yeah. It's a connection thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just I'll just see about getting a mic like like how you folks have, so like a standing mic or something. You can get you something for 30 bucks on Amazon, get you an Audio Technica. I think I gave you the link a long time ago. It's got an automatic condenser. It'll make your voice uh, normalized when you're speaking. You could whisper and it'll be just as loud as a yell. It's really nice. The one that you sent me in Messenger? Yeah, I sent you a link that gives you a list of Audio Technica devices. They seem for me to be the best ones, the strongest. Uh, make me sound like I'm on radio. I like Audio Technica. I mean, they're a good brand. Uh, I my headphones are Audio Technica. There you go. Okay. I have okay, a. I'll, I'll give it a try. Different mic here, but. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look into it. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. What you gonna do after I shut this down? Because I've been going on for like four <laughs> hours and thirty-two minutes. If I go any longer, it'll be super hard to get the damn bit onto the radio. Probably watch uh, a movie for me. Okay. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll probably see. Yeah, I'll either li- I'll be listening to something either live or, you know, take, let's see. Praises is praise on right now. Yeah, I'll probably join praises stream. All right. Uh, head over there if he's got a link. Throw it in the private chat if you could. One okay. second. I'll I'll do that before I leave. Yeah. All right. Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry about the mic, Brett. Um, we'll get you a mic. We want to hear what you have to say there, fella. Yeah, yeah, I'll look into the one you told me about. All right, let me get my what little outro hell? going. I'll still be in the room to get that link from you. Let's see. Something tell- we- see you guys. Something. We hope that you've been enjoying God TV Radio hosted by Brett Keen. When you get an opportunity, check out our public radio station. Check out our books, music, and art. You can also buy t-shirts if you would like to support us. If you don't want a t-shirt, you don't want books, you don't want music, well, you could always do a one-time donation through PayPal. 
Any support is appreciated. God bless.